tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number if you want to make a call. It won't cost you. And Leanne is looking after us uh, today. Coming up on the show this morning, we discuss uh, last night's events in Ross Grey. We have more listener response to the RTE controversy. Littering in rural areas. I'll be speaking to my friend Joe Noble about that. The status of the Irish language, that's an ongoing uh, conversation. The upcoming referendums on the constitutional amendments uh, explained to us by Solicitor John Lynch. And we have some insights from our psychotherapist, Susan O'Donoghue. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp. 083-311-3311. You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Look at some of the front pages, the Irish Times, and they're leading with the story that Gardaí believed disgraced former solicitor Michael Lynn uh, returned to Ireland with a substantial portion of the 17.9 million euro that he stole from banks and used the cash to bankroll a fresh criminal scheme here. The uh, Irish Times is dominated by a photograph of the widow of Alexei uh, Navalny, Ulia uh, Navalny there, as she took part in a meeting of the European Union foreign ministers in Brussels yesterday. Uh, Also on the front page, the campaign for a yes vote uh, to the government's proposed care amendment to the constitution has suffered a further blow after two independent uh, human rights bodies uh, separately voiced concern about uh, the proposal. Now, yesterday we spoke to you about uh, free legal advice centres, that's FLAC, and their concerns. And today we're reading that the Irish Council for Civil Liberties and uh, the Independent Living Movement Ireland have outlined their positions as well. Uh, let's look at the Daily Mail. And again, it's the RTE story. Uh, they're telling us that RTE Director General Kevin Backhurst has lost the confidence of a number of cabinet ministers, according to the Mail. Mr Backhurst uh, yesterday insisted that he would not resign amid ongoing revelations over golden handshakes given to senior executives since he took over at the broadcaster uh, last July. The Irish Examiner, again, uh, leading with that RTE story and their headline there, RTE told to come clean on exit pay. Also on the Examiner, Gardaí investigating the seizure of a landmark hall of crystal meth in the port of Cork says that the seizure is proof that Ireland is now being used as a staging post by international drug smuggling cartels. Uh, Also they're telling us that uh, the social media giant uh, TikTok is to cut hundreds of jobs in Ireland as part of some sort of global restructuring. The main story on the Irish Independent, again, very, very tragic story. Another inquiry has been launched into the sudden death of a second teenage girl in the emergency department of University Hospital Limerick three weeks ago. The 16-year-old girl uh, suddenly 
uh, died suddenly on January the 29th, hours after she was rushed to UHL, suffering from breathing difficulties. So that's a look at what's making headlines uh, today. And uh, if you'd like to make comment on any of that, 083 311 Now, we've been covering the uh, ongoing unrest in Ross Grey quite a lot over recent times. But last night, local women in the town held a demonstration uh, outside of the Garda station and local community activist uh, Gillian Dunn joins me. Now, Gillian, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. And good thanks to talk. Good to talk to you again, Gillian, and thanks for your time this morning. Uh, why that turnout last night, Gillian? Um, there was an alleged um, incident in Ross Grey um, concerning a mother and her young children. And in a town that has so much unrest already, this caused major, major um, anxiety for the women in the community. So um, a local lady, uh, Maria, decided to call out all women. And it was short notice, but we still got a good turnout. There was over 120 women turned up outside the Garda barracks last night. And it was really to demonstrate the lack of Gardaí in the town and that women in Ross Grey want to feel safer. We need a bigger Garda presence. And this is what the demonstration was about last night. And it will be ongoing as far as I know. As you said, the, 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 the incident you referred to is alleged. We've been trying to get a statement from the Gardaí on that, but we mm. failed to do so, mm. so far. So um, we might leave that aside because I know that it's being investigated uh, in, yeah, in, yeah. in some fashion or other. But in general, last mm. night, it appeared that women were voicing their fears, talking about intimidation, being frightened, being terrified mm. to walk on streets uh, or, or go for a run. Is, is that your experience of what emerged from last night, Gillian? Um, yes, um, when the women got together last night and um, we were outside uh, the Garda Barracks, um, uh, the local lady, Maria, in question, brought this uh, group together. She um, asked the women in the community, look, if any of you have had anything happen to you in the last few weeks, the months or whatever, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to voice what happened. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a few stories told there last night, stories that some of us were already aware of. Um and uh, there was a meeting last night as well. There was another group since the last time I spoke to you, Fran. Um, a kind of a group uh, from Racket Hall has developed and it's a Ross Grey Community Action, which I'm a member of myself. And in the last couple of weeks, we've met with TDs, we've met with various different councillors and different groups and different social medias. And we met last night with actually the Garda in the Garda station. So while this was ongoing, there was some of the committee in actually having a meeting with the Garda. And what came out of that was um, they told us there was 14 guards. So we have a meeting, the Ross Grey Community Action. If you look them up on Facebook, mm. you'll see all the minutes of every meeting. So everyone is very, very transparent. You'll see the meetings and what was said to us by each TD is all lined out there. Um but uh, we were told there were 14 uh, Garda, but um, what the people don't know is that one of those guards retired last night. Mm-hmm. Three of them are on active, uh, uh, low active, because they're not allowed out on the beat as such. They're on low active, active jobs in the station. So mm-hmm. there's one car. Uh, so they're trying to do all this work. They had a layman at the front desk. Um, he was taken away. And that has put more pressure on them. Yeah, and and Maria was very... Because I was watching a video of what Mm. happened last night. And when Maria spoke to the crowd, she was very careful to say that it's not being critical of existing guards. 
in Ross Gray. No, She's just no, critical of the lack of resources for, indeed, that, those guardians. That's, that's correct. And when we got speaking to the Garda in Ross Gray, they're under terrible, terrible pressure. Mm. They need they need more help. Like even that one person, that yeah, man that was at the uh, desk doing mm. some of the paperwork for them, when he was uh, taken away, he looked for a full-time position. He was transferred to a different station. So now they're, they're making up those hours as well. So they're under severe pressure. Mm. They so have they're, one they're, car. They're coping with administration, obviously, as well as being on yes, the beach. Yes, it goes back, being, it goes, yeah. yes. It goes, yeah. it goes back to um, human resources and it goes back to the government. Like, yeah. we have a meeting, the Ross Community Action, we have a meeting with the superintendent. We know we're going to be given the same story there. So it really goes back to we're going to have to start um, putting pressure on the TDs because it goes back to government, it goes back to human resources. Uh, they're just looking at numbers on, on papers. They're not taking into consideration what's going on in Ross Grey, the feelings of the people yeah. in Ross Grey. Like, and tell, tell me about those feel. Tell me about those feelings, Gillian. Just the general mood, I suppose, of of the 150 women or so who turned up last night. What what is that mood? And people are scared. Um, to say that something like that could happen in a small town, it's just it's it's unbelievable. Like, um, and the the overall feeling last night was that they feel now they're not even safe in their own homes. And and has this been going on for some time in terms of these feelings of intimidation and the, the fear and the like? To be honest, um, when the protest started um, out in Racket Hall and everything else, and as the weeks kind of went on and the community action group were doing their business and stuff, we felt, look, what's here is here. We're going to have to try and find ways of integration. And there was kind of, you know, a kind of it had smoothed itself out a little bit and we were trying to figure out ways how we're going to integrate these people into our community, how to look for more services to mm. integrate these people yes. into our community. And then to get another blow like this has kind of put everything backwards, you could say. Yeah. Because, um, you know, people, they don't feel safe now. And in general, do, do women feel that their fears are being dismissed a little bit? Because even around the discussions where Racket Hall is concerned, we we spoke about, you know, losing the facility to the town in terms of a place to socialise and blah, 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 and all of that. And then we spoke about the notion of the community uh, hotel. And then we spoke about staff and jobs and tourism and all of that. But the fears of women was kind of weighed way down the list, was it? It was until this happened. Now, it was there. It was there. Um, the younger, Especially the younger women in the community. Um, but this has really, really highlighted um, the fear that's there. Um, and even the older generation, there was a lot of older women there last night as well, and it, they don't feel safe. We don't know. It's lack, it goes back, uh, Fran, to lack of communication. We don't know who's coming in. Uh, the numbers, the figures we're being, we've, we're being given of the amount of asylum seekers or economic migrants or whatever you like to call them because there's a mixture of a lot that are in Ross Grey. We're not being given the correct numbers. We're being force-fed that this is all that's in Ross Grey. It's not 85% of what's in Tipperary. It's 21%. And we're being, we're being force-fed this information when we know different. We're, we're living in Ross Grey. We know how many is here, you know? Yeah, and it's just trying to, get, trying to get those figures is near impossible. We were also, we had a look, I'm so sorry for cutting across you, Julie. No, 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 go ahead. We had a look this morning at coverage of last night's event, which was a considerable mm -hmm. turnout, but there was little or none, Gillian. Yeah, no, it was short notice. 
Um, when I tell you short notice now, I mean a couple of hours. Right, OK. Yeah, and, and it is going to be going on again. And as far as I know, they're going to be doing this, um, I think, on a daily basis outside the barracks. Women? Women. Women yeah. largely will, will be yeah, taking yeah, part in yeah, this. Yeah, until, until the government listen and say, look, the Garda station in Rossgrey needs more help. It's not good enough um, for, our, for the women in our community to feel safe. Like, we're being asked to integrate all these people into our community. They need to meet us halfway. We should have the Garda presence that we deserve. Yeah, because at one stage there, I think there was, was it 27 Garda were stationed in Rossgrey at one stage? That's, that's correct, yeah. 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 And, and, and even though, you know, the population has increased considerably uh, because the, mm-hmm. of those who have been welcomed in, um, it, yeah. it's not reflected in the numbers, obviously, because I think, did you say 14 to me now? Because I thought it was even lower than that. In terms uh, well, they're saying there's 14 active, so they wouldn't be on duty all at all, the same all time. All the time, okay. Right. Yeah, you'd have some of them that would be travelling around would be doing different work, so they wouldn't be actually in Ross, based in Ross Gray. Yes. But this is, the, this is the information that we'll be fed back by the superintendent, attendant especially, but this is not actually the case. The lady you referred to as Maria, she addressed the 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 crowd last night. From what I could see on the on the video, and I know some others did as well. Was there political representation addressing the crowd last night? Uh, no. 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 Okay. No. Um, all right. And uh, can I just ask you finally, your your new group, the community action group that you've uh, formed? You said you've been speaking yeah. to politicians since. Have you? Oh, we have, yes. Right, and yes, what, what response are you getting there? We're asking for the information for exactly the number in Rossgrey. We're still kind of, our, our number one aim is a cap yes. um, of the people coming into Rossgrey. Uh, we're not really getting any further. We're still trodden on, on, we're doing what we can. But um, as I said on that Facebook page, Rossgrey Community Action, you'll see all the minutes of all the meetings we've had with the TDs, everything, the questions that were asked, the answers they, they gave us. All right. And uh, it's all... It's all much the same, no matter what TD, whether it be Michael Lowry, uh, Jackie Cattle, no matter who we've met, it all seems to be, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet, really. So what are they saying, generally, then, if they're all saying the same thing, Julian? Yeah, uh, the numbers are inaccurate of what they're saying, the amount of refugees or economic migrants that are in Australia. We know they're not accurate numbers that we're getting. Uh, we're asking about the community hotel. We're still not getting answers on that. We're being told different things about the community hotel we're told the county council could have the hotel bought and it'll be and then you have people from the county council say no that's not the case so it's just going back and forth back and forth and it's become like a political game of football now at the moment so we're still in the dark Ross Gray is still in the dark they don't know what's going on what's going to be done for Ross Gray uh, so far nothing has happened and then for something for an incident like this to happen in Ross Gray this has just heightened everybody's anger, really. And so we don't know where, where we're going to go from here. All right. Uh, Gillian, good to talk to you. Needless to say, we'll be following the story. But thanks so much for making time for me this morning, Gillian. No problem. Thank, thank, thank you, you, friend. Bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Gillian Dunn, and uh, Gillian is a community activist there and involved in that uh, new group, uh, Ross Gray Community Action. 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp, uh, 083 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry. In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage, Pecone. The name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slatterysgarage.ie Now, if you're tuned in yesterday, you'll know I was speaking to uh, Tipperary Labour TD Alan Kelly, who's a member of the Public Accounts uh, Committee. We spoke about the ongoing controversy regarding exit payments in RT and indeed other matters related to RT as well. Now, as you know, the Director General of the station and the chair of its board were summoned to uh, meet the media minister yesterday morning. Catherine Martin's uh, request to Kevin Backhurst and Shuni Rahalig comes after a weekend of political pressure for full disclosure on the exit packages page to a number of uh, RTE executives. Now, people were left very, very cross indeed about this. Philip was in touch and he joins me now. Good morning to you, Philip. Good morning, Fran. How are you doing? I'm good, Philip. You're, you're saying to me you will never pay for your licence again, your TV licence. No, along, everybody else. Now, I am retired now at the present time, but uh, here we uh, in the house, we're not paying the television at all. Uh, uh, now, why should we? This country now has gone the same as all of them in South America, and nobody will admit it. This country now is run by gangs. And the latest one is the one in uh, RTE. And that is above the law. Now, uh, it's, uh, this is going on. Uh, it, it's gone beyond a laugh now at the present time. This is going on for so long. Wouldn't you think we didn't have a government at all? Who was acting on this thing? Nobody. And they are there now alone to themselves giving themselves money whenever they want to, at no question uh, about it from anybody. They don't even ask anything. They just spend. And as long as the government and ourselves keep paying, they're on a roll. Now, this is not on at all. Number one, uh, like uh, the first of these gangs were the bank. And the bank robbed us all. And nobody went to jail. It's going to be the same with this again, the same way nobody's going to jail. Even the fact now that uh, Simon Coveney, now his brother, is involved in this. Mm. And Simon Coveney was asked about it, and he has the time to say anything about it at all. Well, he's recused himself from any of that uh, discussion. Well, you see, the problem is this. It comes back to the rule of law. Who does it apply to? It's supposed to apply to everybody. Now, I remember... Well, you see, we're, we're told, uh, sorry, just to make the, the point, I suppose, um, uh, Donald, that they, they didn't break any... They didn't break any law, I suppose, Philip, at all. They did break a law. Mm. Number one, they made the law themselves. They put themselves untouchable. That is not valid at all, what they're claiming, that nobody, they don't, they don't, they don't have to reveal the, the, the details. We're paying the bill. Who the hell do they think they are? But I'm reading I, between the lines in terms of what Kevin Backhurst has done. 
And I think that he's given this money because if if uh, some of these actors in, in, in started to challenge this and the courts in any way, it would have ended up costing RTE and therefore costing you and me, the taxpayer, more money. Exactly. Who did that? We didn't do it. Yeah. Nobody did it. The government didn't do it. They arranged all that themselves. And it is illegal. That was said last night by a lady that was on. That does not apply to them at all. Mm. They are a public service. We are the people that are paying the bill and we should know who's getting what and where it's been spent. It's our money. Mm. Now, I remember a thing in history long ago, and you remember it too. Up in Galway, Judge Fitzstephen Lynch... His son uh, had a, a man murdered because he was okay. uh, I, I can't, a Spanish I, okay. man. I, I, and, I'm just, I'm just not sure of the detail of that, so no, be very, very careful what you say to me. He yeah. was a judge, mm. and he uh, tried his son and condemned him to death. Mm. And nobody in the town would hang him at all. Mm. And as a result... Uh, when he came to hang him, nobody would turn up to hang him, and he brought him up to his own window and hung him above himself. Now, that, the judge he said, did. was right. the law. He said that the law was there for everybody. Now, will Simon Coveney hang his son, his brother? Hmm. He will not. And the problem is we have a whole lot of uh, dr uh, people selling drugs all around the country, causing us all a big problem in rural areas and everything else. We have a government that is failing to act. There's a whole lot of people talking about this carbon emissions, and they want to sow 5 million acres of trees. We're paying a whole lot of people out there in different ways. Why not bring them out and sow those acres of trees? People that are buying drugs are the people to be punished because they're supplying the, the money to the criminals, the same as we're supplying the money to the So are the you saying in, in, in instead, of, instead of putting these people in jail, you think they should be out doing some sort of a community service or yes. something? That and they are suffering, we are told, from mental yeah. disturbance and everything. The best thing in life for anybody is work. It's a sense of achievement. It gives you a purpose in life and would solve everything. Why not bring these people out then and the state operators and sow those million acres of trees mm. on mountainside and bog and sow them and they'd be an asset to the country. And these yeah. people that they're paying with won't cost them and, and, and to get back to RTE, for just a moment then, Philip, um, yes. in terms of you not paying your licence, I mean, do you watch RTE quite a bit? Do you, do you? Very little, because right. I'll tell you now this much. Yeah. The West Britons of Dublin, it should be taken out of Dublin altogether. There's an ethos in Dublin that wants to do everybody. They're out to grab everything and fool everybody, and they fool nobody, but they're always at it. And as well as that, what they are doing is they're getting purposes for selling uh, time on RTE. Now, there's no... Uh, now, they are going to deny this, that they're getting purposes. Look, at these people are out to get money from everybody, and that's known all over the place. And they're getting purposes, and they're selling time on radio and television that they don't own. Mm. When I try to do something about this and say something, I ring RTE. Do you think I got time on RTE to say this? Right. And did they you try, did you try to get on to, to Liveline or something like that, was it? No, yes, yes. Yeah. And they are 
are in charge of this, and they'll let on whoever they like. They're in charge of everything. We're only the people that pay the bill. Now, that has to change. And the only way you'll change that is take RTE out of Dublin. Put it in a place like Athlone, where it's cheaper to live and everything, and bring down all these big salaries that they are not earning. Oh. Look, you're in a little royal radio station, mm. and they're all over the country. They run voluntary or on a shoestring basis. And what is wrong with the service you're giving? You're giving a, a, an invaluable service to the community. What is wrong with uh, reducing the same thing with the television station to something like that and have it cost-effective and attractive to everybody? Well, you see, the, the politicians are coming out and saying that this is the public service broadcaster and in terms of fairness and, uh, you know, to combat misinformation and all of that, we need this... Uh, establishment, and we need it to be funded properly and all of that. What, what do you say to that? As you're talking about disinformation, where is the station with more disinformation? Should they're not even telling the truth? And they want anybody want to know the truth. If I want uh, news, I go mostly to France 24, who have that policy of giving you the truth, and they will examine what certain things are in it and all the rest of it. I don't go to Sky or the British. And uh, Ireland, I just go for the local one. But I, I use uh, RTE very little, except TG Car and that. And as well as that, the West Britons of Dublin that's running that place up there now, uh, uh, they are... Uh, out to make a kind of a, as I would see it now, and you can judge it yourself, as I would see it, they're out to make a cultural change. Everything gets time on RTE, particularly rugby, and they promote all this thing to the detriment of the GAA and all the uh, rest. Well, they, in fairness well, to them, now, no, they do, no, they, 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 they do. do promote and, the GAA. And the thing about it is this, it's an offence too, because... The team that calls themselves Ireland won't stand for the national anthem. Now, there are other teams here that are called... Well, well, well hold on now. Let's just clarify that. That's because well, they now, tell me it's a 32-county team, and uh, that's why they well, use now, a dreadful song. Well, from my point of view, they can call, if they call, they're calling themselves Ireland. Mm. Well, when they're calling themselves Ireland, they stand for their national anthem. If you didn't in the States, you'd be booed off the field. But however, anyway, no, they right. call themselves Ireland. Now, Philip, if they want to call themselves Osprey, and different things. If they call themselves Mickey Mouse, they can stand for whatever tune they like. <laughs> but they're calling themselves Ireland as far as you're concerned. Yes, yes. All right, Philip, so I must leave it there. But, but and it's an offence when yes. they don't. And I just turn it off. Right. I never look at it. Philip, thanks for your time this morning. Great to talk to you. And uh, thank you for, for, for making time for me. Uh, let's go to uh, Donald now. Donald, good morning to you. Good morning, Fred. How are you? I think you're kind of cross over the exit packages as well, Donald, aren't you? Well, I am. Yeah. Not just the exit packages, because like when people hear these these things on the news and things like that, they're, they're always surprised. And I can, and I can never understand why you would be surprised at this stage. Like the corruption is rife in this country and and in the Western world, and it's just rife. And why would you be surprised? Mm-hmm. Like RTE are being funded by the license fee, by the taxpayer, by the people that get up and go to work every morning. That's who they're being funded by. Now I've heard that. Uh, but you mentioned a man there, so I think I should be allowed to mention him. Uh, the, the live line show there, like I'm told by he's one of the high players. He's disgusting high wages, I think. And we're we're told, oh, but he's he's earning his money with the, with the revenue he brings in Turkey. Well, if, if all that is true, 
Mm. Why in the hell can RTE not survive like TV3, like your good selves, like any other independent radio station or television station? If they are that good, why can they not survive on their own? And this is what needs to be done. Yeah, because they I have the dual funding, and it's, it's great you pointed that out. They have the commercial funding yeah. as well as funding from exactly. the licence fee as well. Yeah, Exactly. You see, they're talking about both sides of their yeah. But, but, but they, will tell you, they will tell you that they can't continue on with the kind of level of public service broadcasting that they provide <laughs> unless that they get more money, for example. But that's the other point I'm trying to make. They're saying they're, they, we have politicians saying that they're public broadcasting and, mm. and they're public service. They're not. And they're just not. Like, what do you mean by that, now? I, I say, because they don't, they're not independent. Like, the, the, now, I didn't take part in, 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 this, in this demonstration in Dublin there a few weeks ago, but I was up there at the time. There was literally thousands and thousands and thousands of Irish people demonstrating on the streets of Dublin against immigration. Not one RTE camera. And the reason for that is because the politicians will say, there's nothing to see here. The RTE will say, there's nothing to see here. Now, TV3 are as bad, but I can't, like, but at least TV3 fund themselves. You know, so... Like, and what, what? I mean, what do you think? I mean, where is that coming from? Do you think is there? That's, a... coming, from the, that's coming from the government. Like, like I watch, I watch programs on television. The 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 Sunday program that's on there every Sunday and is repeated again. Like hardly a full repeats. Like Claire Daly was on. Like, a woman I don't agree with at all because as I told you on this show before, I I think socialism is evil. Mm. But I agree with something she said. But she was shut down. She was shut down because she made the same point that I made to you a few weeks ago, that you cannot condone Russia for what they've done, but you cannot say Russia wasn't provoked. And she was hounded, mm. not just by the rest of the panel, but by the RT presenter. There's, like, RT journals should hang their head in shame when they say they're independent, because they're not independent. We're being drip-fed all this propaganda. Prop- and the first casualty of warfare, as well you know, is the truth. And that's all I want is the truth to be told. And I said it on your show. I will challenge, I'm sure there's journalists listening to me and you now, and I'm sure there's politicians listening to me and you now. Come on, and I will challenge them on the radio about Ukraine alone, about the Nazi battalions in the Ukrainian army, about the fact that he, he got rid of 11 political parties, and, and, and the fact Hungary will not pay Europe any more money. And we're just told this, oh, Hungary won't pay, but we're not told why. And the fact is, because of the thousands of Hungarian citizens living in Ukraine that has been constricted into the Ukrainian army. That's the reason why. And why do do you think that there is... I mean, if I go down the road of what you're saying to me, that there is some form of, of, uh, I don't know, single narrative or something about about issues... Why? Why do you think that is? I mean, is, is it a case that people are being controlled, uh, or that they're concerned about drumming up hatred, or what? What do you think is behind it's, that? Exactly, Fred. Because we're being told by politicians, and we're being told by RT, and the new, uh, and the daily basis, Misins- misinformation is the enemy. Mm. Now, who is coming out with the misinformation? Because when people are told lies on the national media, where are they going to go? They're going to search other places for their information. And this is what's happening in the country today. Like, I think the internet is a good thing. Mm. Because of that. And this is why there's thousands of people on the street. And I, look at, I don't get angry no more with this because, and a lot of people get angry, oh, we have to get rid of these people, we have to get rid of these people. And I would say to people, stop getting angry. When the vote comes up, when the politicians come to your door, tell him or her exactly what you think and vote. And I have no time for people that they said, oh, I'm going to vote for none of them. No. You, you're giving them a free hand. 
go out and vote. And I honestly, truly believe there is a change coming because politicians have been listened in years. Can I put something to you just in terms of fairness? I mean, Catherine Martin, the uh, media minister, uh, she's yeah. come out several times over the past week or so and saying that, that she can't really interfere in the day-to-day running of RTE in her position, that her dealings is with the chair of the board and yeah. that's how, but she can't actually give directives on how the the RTE is run. Well, uh, well, if she can't, and I believe her, if, if that's what she's saying, I have no reason well, to doubt Yeah, her. that's in the, terms of her role and what her role, what the parameters yeah. of her role is. Yeah. Okay. I have, I have, I have no reason to doubt her. But it, isn't that a disgrace in itself? There is millions and millions and millions being collected in revenue for RT with the licence fee. And I go again to say it's the working people that's paying this licence fee. So somebody has to be responsible for it. And it seems, now it seems, nobody. So our politicians, like, what's the, is, is, is these... No, but, but the point I was making is that you were saying about political interference or you were making Ooh. reference to political interference in terms of maybe deciding what the narrative from RTE should be. But, I mean, yeah. here you have Catherine Martin saying, I mean, even in the midst of all the controversy, she yeah. can't give directives yeah. to the running yeah. of the station. She can only find out her information through Shuni Rahalig, the chair of the well, board. The, the, the point I'm making on, 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 on RTE where the politicians are happy with, with RTE is because they get a free ride on, on RTE. They don't get the hard questions like you get on your station and other uh, local stations. They don't get the hard questions, RTE, the politicians. They just don't. And it's wrong. And I, I, it's all I'm looking for is the truth be told. And if somebody disagrees with me, let them ring in your station today and challenge it. Don't be texting in and on the anonymous names and things like that. And I'm sure you want to get a lot of Texas saying that I'm pro-Russia and everything. I just want to make it clear I'm not. I've already made the point I could not condone Russia mm. for invading Ukraine. Mm. But, I, but I, I will not stand up and say that they weren't provoked. But when I say Russia shouldn't have invaded Ukraine, you never hear politicians saying Iraq, Syria. Mm. I, a country I was... I was in Syria in 1992. I was on leave from Lebanon. And I tell you, it was like Paris, Damascus was. It was beautiful. Mm. Absolutely stunning country, and now it's gone. Yes, and, and there was there was great hope for it at that time, was there not? It was a, it was a yeah. beautiful country, yeah. and like as I said, I don't stand with the left, but I understand the left. Like the, the Palestinian thing, I served in Lebanon three tours of duty. I seen at first hand what Israel can do and does do, and it's it, believe me if you've seen the villages that I walked into where there is no young people whatsoever, only old people because they're just taken away to Israeli jails. Or killed. So I've seen at first hand. But, like, that was okay for months and months and months, where you had the West stand up and saying, Israel has a right to defend itself. Now they're coming out. Now when there's thousands of people being killed. And when, when it can't be denied. But you're saying to me that your experience was that this is this is ongoing in terms of persecution of the... Oh, this is ongoing. Like, when, I, when I was in Lebanon, like, you have the Hezbollah in Lebanon. Mm. Okay, and they're called a terrorist organization. Believe me when I tell you this, I don't support terrorism. But if the Hezbollah and the Amal wasn't in South Lebanon, the Israelis would have just wiped them out. Yeah, but I mean, there's no doubting uh, some of the acts perpetrated by Hezbollah are indeed uh, what what happened uh, with that uh, uh, dreadful atrocity into Israel as well. I mean, you're not 
you're not condoning no, any of that I, in the least. I wouldn't know. condone it. On the, I don't condone terrorism. I don't condone terrorism in my own country. I don't, yes. condemn, I don't condone the provision of IRA for what they've done. But what I will say is, yesterday's terrorist is tomorrow's politician. Hmm. And that has been proven over and over again. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, it was great to talk to you, Donald, and thanks yeah. for coming yeah. on with me again. And thank thank you. I just finish with this. Yeah. Please keep up your good work. Because without G and other local radio stations, people have no advice. All right, they don't. just don't have it. Keep up the good work. Thank right. you very much. Many thanks. Thanks, thanks Donald. Thank uh, you. And bye bye to you now. 1800 The text and WhatsApp is 083 uh, That man on the radio says a listener saying that RT never covered the immigration protest in Dublin. Those of us who were on uh, the no side for the abortion experienced uh, RT's bias years ago. Our pro-life rallies were never truly reported on because it didn't suit the agenda, says one of our listeners. Somebody else saying, I'm listening to the man talking about the TV licence. It's a shame what's going on in RTE. I've got my second letter saying they're going to take action against me because I don't have a licence. I'm physically sick about it, but then you see the news about what's going on in RTE. It's the amount of money that uh, they're giving to uh, staff that I have the issue with. Is there anybody else in a similar position to myself? Somebody else is saying to me that the rugby team is Ireland, not the Republic of Ireland, like the soccer team. Uh, that's James in uh, New Inn. Um, okay, oh, somebody, Barry was on to say, well spoken to uh, Donal. Another listener saying, I'm 50 years old. I know lots of people in the 50s and 60s. They never voted and they only recently registered with the specific aim to eject the current government. We'll take a break back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie But if it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, uh, Jamie was on to say that lad is dead right. If you don't pay your car tax, for example, your car will be impounded. And he says these people, except he doesn't use the word people, in RTE are embezzling big books and they're getting away with it. Well, you see, there's no question. We have to be very careful about this. There's no question of anything illegal being done in RT. You know, you might question it and you'd wonder if it's morally right or whatever, but there's no question so far of anything illegal. All right, so that's that's just, just to make that quite clear. Now, you can point to the disastrous uh, management over a period of years and particularly uh, in recent times where the Toy Show, the musical, was concerned. I mean, if you read into that, if you have time sometime to read into it, um, the chaos surrounding the organisation of it was just really just careless and stupid and ill-conceived and all of that kind of thing. Anyway, 083 311 Now, I'm delighted to be joined by my good friend, I was going to say old friend, but I better be careful, my good friend Joe Noble. Joe, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Joe, but things are not good with you. Will you tell me about, because you posted this on Facebook, about litter, yeah, littering and, and dirt and all of that kind of thing, Joe? I wasn't dirt with dog shite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Like, I was in, the, as you know, I was in Tullamore there a few weeks ago, and one of the things <laughs> the sergeant said to me was, when you're walking, walk straight with your head up. How? And I said it to her. 
I said, how did Jesus could I walk in my street with me, me head up with all the dog shite? I said, I have to look down to see where I'm walking. Now, this is in Temple Moor. So there's a problem with dog poo in Temple Moor. Is there big time? Well, it's what I can see. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a big poo there for the last few weeks up there. And I swear to God, whoever was walking the dog, it must be, it wasn't a dog. It had to be an elephant. <laughs> it was so thick and big. I swear to God. <laughs> it and it's still, it's still there, Joe, after a few weeks, isn't it? No, because some people had walked into it, like, but um, it's still there, yeah. Right. <laughs> and what, down near the co-op, there's another one. What um, else? What else did you come across uh, by way of listening? Oh, to holy Moses! I was down in Morphy's chemist yesterday, having a great old natter with Jodie, right, little mm. Dorothy. And I came out, and I was looking in my bag that I got. Well, I nearly came a second cropper. Why? I I slipped, and I thought, what the dickens am I after slipping on? And I turned around. I used condom. On the footpath? On the Jacob's footpath. Second, oh, holy Moses. I told, do you know I should have taken a picture of it? You should have taken a picture of it, yeah. I should. And it was, it was big like. Um, <laughs> How do you mean, how do you mean big whoever, like? Whoever used it, God bless him, but anyway. Stop, stop yeah. making me laugh. Um, so this was disposed of. And, I mean, you'd wonder how it ended up on the footpath or where... where. Oh, so Jesus, the mind boggles. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they had a little bit of fun in a car and picked it up. All right, there. okay. Yeah, maybe maybe so. But you think yeah. if they were going to throw it out the window in the middle of Temple Moor Town, it was, you know... Well, it's probably dark short, probably late, and they're hardly doing it. Well, then again, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you never know. But is is this a... I mean, not the condom, but is this a general issue for you that there's, there's poo on the footpaths and there's litter on the... Well, yeah, he is now all jokes aside and, and you know it, it is friend because you have to I personally have to walk along and I'm looking down I cannot look up because mm. well I'm jinxed anyway knowing my if I looked up I'd be bound to walk into something and end up on my hindquarters on the ground um, but it is disgusting how people can't just clean up after their, their animals like you know I mean it's, it's I, I don't understand it. I yeah. really don't. But we've been talking. Well, we've been talking about this for years, Joe. In terms yeah, and of... there'd be nothing done with it, French. Yeah. You can't police it, really. You think about it's, it. It's, the dog, yeah. or the dog warden, or whatever warden. I don't know what goes around looking at him. But you mean he can't follow everyone around the place that have a dog? No, you know I, I mean? my understanding is that they have, they have to catch the dog in action, so to speak, with the owner there before they can do something about it. So ah, for <laughs> well, I tell you one thing. I left out my wheelie bins one night, and I went out the following morning. And I always just have a habit of opening the lid, making sure they're emptied. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm bringing them in. Oh, holy Moses! I opened the lid. Well, the stink that came out of me bin. Somebody had. Now they did pick it up. They had it in a bag. But as far as they were feeding their poor misfortunes dog, I don't know. But the stink was horrendous. And, and they, they turned it into me bin. And they put it into your bin. Into me being, if I, and I'll tell you one thing, Fan, if I had seen, if I'd been out a little bit, a few minutes maybe earlier or whatever, and seen him, that would have come out of my bin and to be hopped off their ankles <laughs> and then take, to take it home with them. But you're, was, isn't that the idea of these bags being out there uh, at the moment? You're supposed to take it home with you, even though the size of the, 
Well, the elephant one. I mean, come the on. The elephant one. <laughs> it's a lift home you'd want one of them. <laughs> I never saw a poo so big on me life. <laughs> it's massive. That can't have been a dog, Joe. It can't. I know, sure, I told you, it has to be an elephant. Um, no, I, I don't know. It, had, it was a dog, sure. Like, yeah. well, yeah. a human, I hardly do Hard, know. Hardly. Even though it seems that the condoms are appearing on the footpaths now, you never know. Well, yeah. I mean, that that was a disgrace. I mean, that was now, yeah. you know, it is, it, you know, it makes me think what kind of people will do those things. But Joe, was this always a problem? I mean, back through the years, was it a problem or is it a recent enough thing? Well, I'm only here eight years, so I I, I can't mm. speak. But I mean, in general, time. the notion of you know poo on the footpaths because it seems to be here it was always there. Indeed, it? Sure. Yeah. it was not just here. I mean, like I said, I'm only here eight years. Other places I was in, um, it was the same thing. It's not just here. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's not. But um, I mean, another day I opened my front door and somebody had let him he shite right outside my front door, and I had to clean it up. Was that was that telling you something, or was it an accident? Do you think? I wouldn't know now. Maybe they were trying to shut me up or something. I don't know the hell. Maybe they were getting tired of me. I couldn't tell you. But, but you, hey, you had to clean it up anyway. Well, yeah, I couldn't leave that outside my front yeah, door, yeah, like yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, no, tis tis. Is going to be on the joke, really? There's one thing about the farmers and take the cows up the road and to be cow shite all over the road. Remember yeah. that? I do. Well, that, well that's still. That still yeah. happens. That still happens, sure. Doesn't is it? it? Yeah. You know that's that was, and and you know another thing. I tell you another thing. Mm. Um, do you know those? Um, what now? How can I say this now without? <laughs> well, it never um, stopped you before, Joe. But go on anyway. Think, what? <laughs> you know the hunt people. I do. Right, yeah. and they go along with say, the pass here. The, you know, the with, with the horses. You, you're talking. Yeah. About. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the horses are shitting, shite, pooing <laughs> all over the freaking road, right? But that's what horses do. <laughs> yeah, but they don't pick it up. I mean, the road would be a disgrace. I mean, the one man, man kind of close enough to me, I had painted the front of his house, and them lads passed up. And the, the next thing was a car or a truck or something passed, went into it, and splashed it up on his wall. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, how, just how would you? But they're hardly going to get off the horses and pick up the considerable amount of poo that a, a horse would be depositing, are they? Oh, well, to be good for the roses, I mean, if they did have an old bag with them or something, and, and, and that's it. Look at look look at the positive, Joel. You've started it all now. I'm gone. I'm looking at the screen here. Cashel Town is full of dog poo. You have to be careful <laughs> where you walk. Feel sorry for the shopkeepers, the dog mess outside of their doors, and mothers with prams, and that's mags in cash. Yeah. yeah, somebody else talking yeah, about well, Conmel. I can understand that, uh, friend, because like I take a little shopping trolley down to, to the shop here when I be going down to get a few bits, like, you know what I mean? And I have to be careful pulling that along behind me that I don't pull it into dog poo. You know, and then you take that into the flipping shop after you. Do you know what I mean? Dennis was on to us. He says, I stepped on dog poo on Sunday morning on the main street yeah. in Temple Moor, and no word of a lie, Fran. The poo was the width of a fridge. <laughs> no, no. Good man. You should come up my street now and you'll see the one I'm talking I about. Have funny, kind of I have a feeling that Dennis is winding us up here. He says, you need a shovel to clean it up. Destroyed my new runners and it ruined my day, says Dennis. 
Yeah, no, I believe you, Dennis, so I do. And I, I tell know. you, the width of a fridge. Street. I mean, God almighty. Uh, well, maybe he's exaggerating a little tiny bit, but I tell you one thing, I'm not exaggerating about the elephant's poo down the footpath there. You're not? No, and that's the truth. I couldn't figure out. I thought, I'm holy, and a God. Yeah. But, um, no, 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 to add his... his to, it, it's just like... I don't understand human beings. You, you, Why then? You, you, you got, got, a, you got enormous response on your Facebook posting about this, so people are, are <laughs> fighting for you. Can I ask you, before I let you go, can I ask you about RTE and the, the licence and what you're hearing about that, the TV licence? What, what, what are you making of what you're hearing, or do you care about this, Joe? I don't care sure I have a free licence friend yeah so it doesn't um, matter to you it, don't, it doesn't it doesn't matter to me but I can understand how it would you know affect other people that would be paying for it yes mm, yeah. you know and it's not um, well I'd be if I was paying for my my licence I'd be afraid not to would you to be honest with you. I would yeah I would I wouldn't fancy um, getting called into court like or yeah. Because that, that it's, it's strange you should say that, but a listener was actually on to say, because we were talking about this earlier on, I, I got the reminder letters as a listener. I got my third letter with urgent on it, so I paid it up because I was so worried not to. So you go along yeah. with that. I um, would go along yeah. with that, friend. I would, in fairness. And I tell you, I got a letter through my door looking for my television licence, and I haven't a free one for the past couple of years. Um, but they're not allowed now, you see, to knock at your door anymore. Or so they told me when I rang up and queried about it. Right. One, um, of, one of our listeners getting very, very scientific about the poo as well. And Joe is oh. in third. And he says, horse poo and cow poo are not difficult at all. It's only meat eaters like dogs and cats, their poo, that can be dangerous because of harmful bacteria. So there you are now, Joe Noble. Well, hey, hey, hold on, hold on a minute now. Right. Um, I did say that the horse poo is good for the roses. You did. And as a matter of fact, cow shit is good if you have a damp room. Years and years and years ago, my grandmother used to say, if you have a damp patch in your room and you get a bit of cow shit and you paint it onto the wall and it dries into the wall, then you can paint over it and it stops the dampness. So there you go. Hey, what, what about There's the smell? It might stop the dampness, but what about the smell? <laughs> I don't know, probably put a peg in my nose or something. Listen, will, yeah. will you give out to a listener who says, the world is in turmoil, and here are you chatting to Joe about dog poo. Yeah, so what? Um, well, hey, now, you don't want us all to go around thinking, oh, God, oh, Lord, oh, this, oh, that, oh, that. Have a bit of thick and light-hearted fun from time to time. Well said, Joe. Well said. I mean, you you can't. There's just too much going on in the world, and yes, it's dreadful, it's terrible, and I understand it, and so forth, etc. But feck it, friend. You can't go on and on and on and on and on about it. We need a little lift. We don't need down doom and gloom all the friggin' time. We need a lift. Well, well said, well time. said, you Joe. And uh, it's always one of the reasons we ask you to come on because you'll always oh, lift yeah. our, lift our spirits in some way. Well, come here you know. Yeah. I was trying to be on my very best behaviour because you know this morning... This was you your best behaviour, Joe, was it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> you have listeners this morning tuned in to hear it uh, from Germany, Australia, and I say hello to Cheryl because she's... And hello, Jerry. Hello, Jerry. Um, there's, yeah. he, he's in Germany. Yeah. Um, they're in Australia and my cousin's in England, Steve. They're all tuned in this morning. Very good. Well, hello to them all. We're delighted to have them on board, Joe. Joe, no. I must go towards news or Pat Murphy will be threatening well, me. I have to go down to the doctor and give him a bit of blood. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going, going down to the doctor now, are you? 
I'm going down and be there at half ten. I have to give him a little soap of blood, like. All right. Well, the, we, we wish you the we wish you the best of luck. Anyway, Joe, you I look know. after yourself, and thank you for for lighting things for us. Always nice a pleasure. Nice, Dad. I see you Monday night. Look forward to it, Joe. Look forward <laughs> to it. Bye bye, Dad. Bye bye. Bye bye. And before people read all sorts of stuff into that. <laughs> Joe means that we'll meet up at social dancing in Templemore. All right, uh, news and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Hi, all with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today, 1800 Huge reaction to having Joe on this morning, and all very, very positive indeed. Um, with the one person who took exception to the fact we were talking about dog poo with all of the chaos that's going on in the world, and I can understand that too, but sometimes you need to lighten things up. Somebody warning me about the... <laughs> about playing for the social dance in uh, Templemore next Monday night and warning me to watch out for the dog poo and the condoms and the elephant as well. All right then, all the wags are out there today. 083-311-3311. And I was speaking to uh, Mayor of Clanmel, Richie Malloy, yesterday, but uh, we were speaking about his role as manager of uh, Family Carers Ireland. We were talking about the referendums and how his organisation is advocating a yes vote. And we discussed various different angles on it. But Edwina was listening and uh, Edwina has spoken to us on the programme several times in the past, but she is part of the organisation FUS, which stands for Families Unite for Services and Support, and she joins me now. Edwina, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well, and thank you for coming on with us, Edwina. I think, were you picking up on my uh, comments about Roderick O'Gorman saying that a yes vote might make it easier for families to challenge the government um, in, in the future over maybe you know, not dealing properly with families of disabled people. Yeah, um, I, I I just kind of, it, it was something that kind of really, um, I was, I suppose, it, I just, I was urged really to do, to, to just to make the comments, you know, that people are already taking the government to court over the lack of disability, you know, of, of access to disability services and support. They don't need a yes or a ref in the referendum. You know, we don't need their permission to do that. You know, um, people are already taking the government to court as it stands and have done for a good few years. Um, so it's not, we don't need a yes vote in any referendum for that. And, and if the yes vote gave proper recognition of care within families, would that not help, Edwina? I don't see that. Uh, that's not in the wording. You know, the wording that's there is exceptionally poor. It's very weak. Um, Richie Malai, I was listening to him yesterday and as also the Social Democrats have admitted um, that the wording could be stronger um, and that it, it should be stronger but it was the best it was the best that's available so 
they're just going to vote yes for it. And what are you making of the fact now that, uh, you know, t- some some major bodies out there have concerns again over the wording? I see today the Irish Council for Civil Liberties joining in the conversation, Independent Living Movement, Ireland, and of course yesterday we spoke about free uh, legal advice centres, that's FLAC as well. So they're seeing some issues in aspects of what we're asked to, to vote about. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it seems to me that anyone with a screed of legal knowledge um, is against it, um, has serious concerns about the wording. And, um, you know, even, like, as I said, the bigger parties will admit that the wording isn't strong enough, but yet they're still going to vote, yes, because it's the best we can do. And I, I, I genuinely believe that that attitude is, is where is, has got us to where we're at. And, um, and know, again, Edwina, with, Ri- with Richie Malloy yesterday, who's a very experienced politician, as I'm sure you'll agree, and has been fighting yeah. for carers for many, many years indeed, yeah. he, he made an interesting point. He said this is not perfect in any way or any fashion, yeah. but if it's voted no, it'll be decades before people will get an opportunity to look at the role of carers again within the Constitution. Do you see anything in that? To be honest, no. I think that's a really defeatist attitude, to be honest. And that's, I mean, I know that I would I would see that as, as a defeatist attitude, that like, if we don't if we don't take what's been offered, if we don't take crumbs on the table that's been offered, well, that'll be it. And I, I genuinely, like, we live in a democracy. And I, I believe that if it's important enough, if, it, if, the, if the political will is there, then there are stronger rights that could be given to people with disabled, you know, with disabilities, children with disabilities, that we could. There are, like, Tom, Senator Tom Clonan has a bill in the, in the Shannon at the moment that the government parties are doing everything in their power to, to stop because that bill would give people the right their, their disability rights they would give them the rights to support the right to access to respite the right to access um, proper you know proper mm. health care the right to access equipment personal assistance hours and they're doing everything the government are doing everything in their power to stop that bill in the Senate so it, it's a matter if the political will is there and it just isn't at the moment if the political will is there then, you know, we, people, you know, we, there would be no need for anyone with a disability or any parent of a child with a disability to take government court to get the most basic, basic support. Can I ask you as well, Edwina, as a woman, I mean, the second referendum, that will see the deletion of uh, the, the woman in the home language in the Constitution, as well, as I said, of, of the recognition of care within uh, families and they're talking about deleting that because it's draconian and some people's interpretation of it is that it sees the woman's role as solely in the home even though that's not really what it says in the constitution but mm. how do you feel about that that deletion yeah and to be honest I, I, it's it's i the fact i i don't i i don't myself i don't like the fact that women would be removed from the constitution i think that there's enough um there's enough stigma around being a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home um, parent. Or, you know, I, I think that there's enough. And being a single mother, there's still a stigma out there um, with being a single mom. And I don't think that it has. But against that, I do see that, they, you know, I, that the, the language does need to change. It, it does need to be gender neutral because obviously care is something that is equally shared in mm. many homes. And it is, but is it not fair to say, Edwina, and you would know this from your work with FUS, yeah. that, you know, it is largely women, is it not? Oh, yeah, it, it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. yeah it is. I um, mean, it's no I, good I dancing around that in some way. It is largely no. women are carers. Yeah, 
No, and, and I mean, to take them from the... I, I understand that there needs to be a balance. There needs to be more... Um, there needs to be more rights for people, you know, uh, there just needs, it needs to be more gender neutral. But I'm not sure if the wording is correct by removing women completely. I'm, I'm not yeah. really sure on that. You spoke I, about I'm, one parent families as well. I mean, the first yeah. aspect then, the first referendum, that's around, I don't know, would you call it expanding the definition of family, yeah. I, I suppose, at this point, and then speaking about that word that has everybody concerned, durable relationships. Now, they're telling us that could include one-parent families or cohabiting couples and their children or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's it's an odd word and it could really represent other situations as well. Yeah, and I suppose from a legal, from a legal point, they don't really want to nail down, you know, for it to be very specific and, you know, because obviously their families have changed over, mm. over time and the family unit has, has changed and I think that if they made it very specific, it would probably alienate a certain cohort of... Mm. of so of, you're of saying society. it's deliberately broad, and that's why yeah, that word is being used. Yeah, I deliberately broad, to be honest, but I think that the wording could be a little bit... Mm. I think there hasn't been enough debate on this, and it, it, it is coming up very quickly. I mean, the gender equality... Um, the Citizens' Assembly on that was in 2021, and here we are in 2024 trying to rush through a referendum that no one really understands and has little yeah. debate on. And I don't know anybody, to be honest with you, Edwina, who would not have thought of a, a one-parent family yeah. as, a, 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 as a family. Everybody thinks of a one-parent yeah. setup as a family, sure. Do they yeah. not? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, uh, yeah, they do. But I mean, there there is a... I suppose that, like, there is kind of a there is a stigma um, attached, you know, that needs to be. Um, right. Kind of, I suppose like we just we haven't really um, moved away from it either, you know. Um, but look, that's that's not yeah. to do with. But it strikes me from from my conversation with you that your only difficulty really is not enough time put into this and just the general wording not being strong enough. Would that sum up your thinking, Edwina? Um, I think you know that. I think like it, it definitely. I I don't believe that it's it's strong enough. I I believe that people being told that this is your only option is you know is completely um it's untrue. Um, I, yeah. I just put it mildly at that. Um, you know, people have the right. Um, they have a democratic right in this country to vote yes or no, whatever way they feel. If they're not sure, they are entitled to ask for more information and to be given that information in a timely manner. Um, and I think that it, you know that it, it is a little bit rushed. And what what the Citizens Assembly recommended, and what the Iraqis, the Joint Iraqi yeah. Committee, are recommended, are completely different. That's right. Yeah. To what is has turned up on the ballot paper. Mm. Um, the Citizens Assembly said that the the, sh- the state shall take reasonable measures to support care. Mm. And what has happened is that it's strive to support. In other words, we'll try. Yeah, and that strive is a word that's concerning people quite a lot yeah. as well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. because, I mean, to be honest, Fran, we do not need to give the government, any government, less permission. Like, we don't need to give them permission to take less responsibility in terms of supporting people and care in the home. And uh, as well, and Richard Mulley pointed out, care does not happen just in the home either. And, you know, to have it in our constitution that care only is 
that care is only in the home by family carers. I mean, I, I, I it, it's, it's, mm. that's, it's that's too not, narrow, uh, Edwina. Is it, that what you're Yeah, saying? but it's not, it's not, it's not the reality of people. Mm. You know that kind of. It, it's yeah. not like care is 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 almost it, it's a government responsibility for a start to mm. ensure that those who are who are who are ill or vulnerable in society are looked after. And to get to hand over, like, and give permission to the government to take even less responsibility, and say, "Oh no, lads, it's okay. You know, you don't." I said, "No, no, sorry. Right. You know, you can, you can just, you know, we'll let you off the hook there." I, I, I don't believe it. Like you know, and, and it, to the best of no, your knowledge, and you're 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 part of a very well recognised group, uh, FUS, uh, Families Hi, Unite for yeah. Services and Support. Any organisations like yourselves? Were you asked about this in any way? Were you consulted or? Previously, yeah, to, just in, like in the run up to the deciding on the wording, for example. We're, oh God, no. no, 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 we weren't anyway. Right. Um, okay. But look, you know, as I said, they the, the what they had all the consultation. They had the citizens' assembly, which is a hundred people. They had which met for the court over the course of a year. They had the joint Arachnus committee on it, who met uh, several times over the course of a year. And both of those have given stronger, strong recommendations for stronger wording than what's turned up in the ballot paper. So, I mean, when you have the consultations with the public, with the, with the politicians, when you have those, you know, and it's like when you have those consultations and then they just do whatever they want. All right, Edwina. I presume we'll be talking to you again over the coming weeks. But thank you so much for your time, Edwina. Lovely to Thanks talk to you much. today. Thank and you. If, if you don't mind, just, Fran, I know Joe was talking about the... Um, the, the pool situation yeah. and the footpaths and stuff as well. And I, do, I suppose I just don't want to let it pass that that affects people with disabilities. Of course it does. You know, in a, yeah. in a terrible, terrible way. Um, and it's, it's, I suppose like that, I would like for people to be more mindful of it if they have a dog, you know, that's pooing on the ground, you know, that yeah. just be more mindful of that there is a sector of society that it impacts greatly. Yes, um, like wh- when, wheelchairs, I'd imagine, is it a nightmare for we, wheelchairs? Well, um, you know, um, mobility aids, etc. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it, you know, and um, just, I suppose I didn't want to let that pass as no, well, 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 I, I, well I, said. I keep to think about it. Yeah, well said. Edwina, thank you and good morning to you and uh, thank you for your time. Now, it's still creating controversy. Uh, Ivan Rates, uh, Yates even, has doubled down on comments that he made about the Irish language and it's caused uproar among particularly I suppose Gael Gorey uh, online um, you know the story at this stage he was a guest on the 6 o'clock show on Virgin Media and uh, he was asked if he speaks Irish when the show host uh, Brian Dowling and Fanula Jay interviewed native speaker Sheila Sioiga now he was on to talk about podcasting and politics and he was kind of there and then they, they put it to him and this was his reaction <laughs> I couldn't be arsed to learn Irish and I'm sorry about it if you're offended and all this money put, all this money we put into it and there's only 16,000 people in the country speak it naturally See, I'm not I, against it I know every Ivan. 40 seconds a native language dies okay. so what I mean isn't Rest that such a peace. sad thought I'm not, I'm not no absolutely gonna, not so, so I don't strong. accept it now we thought this was done and dusted uh, but it's not because still on uh, social media it's still getting an awful lot of uh, comments a lot of huge reaction indeed many debating I suppose how the Irish language can be retained and those who might feel that they're in the Ivan Yates camp uh, they're wondering about you know, how resources are being spent and the like. Well, Sinn Féin election candidate Brendan O'Crohor um, was rather saddened to hear all of this and he joins me now. Brendan, good morning to you. Uh, do you good friend, Modern War? 
Um, tell me about your thoughts on this when you you heard that, you know, it was a robust outburst, I suppose, Brendan. What did you make of it? I suppose, look, it's disappointing, but it's kind of expected. There's a sector of society there that seems to think that our culture or our heritage is something that we are being held back by that's best kind of discarded. And they like they seem to ignore reality. They kind of dismiss it as a dead language, ignoring the fact that even in a country like Tipperary, which is firmly English-speaking, there's a 1,000 daily Irish speakers, there's 25,000 people who speak it less frequently, so have fluency, but just don't have the opportunity to use it. Mm. And I'd be one of those myself. I'm a daily speaker with my children, but outside of my own family, there's not a whole lot of opportunities, and it's something that needs to be promoted, no. not 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 derided. Give, by, give, give me by those me. stats uh, again, Brandon, if you would. A thousand people about, speaking about it about daily. A thousand daily speakers according to the wow. census in Ireland, okay. in, in Tipperary, sorry, yeah. and about 25,000 in, in more e- infrequently, so people who, who speak it, say, weekly or monthly, or, and this is, this is just outside of education. If you, right. include people who, if you include people who are learning it in schools, 40% of the population in Tipperary can speak Irish. Yeah, what, what, I, I'm sure that may surprise an awful lot of uh, people out there. And uh, the kind of commentary that he's making, though, I have a feeling, even though I don't want to believe this, Brendan, but a lot of people seem to agree with him in terms of where resources are being spent on a language that, you know, most people would see as being sidelined. Well, it's it's our official, it's our native language. It's an officially EU language. Like, but my word got grown up. Like, I came from a family. Like, now my maternal great-grandparents were native Irish speakers, so it's only three generations of my family that speak English. We were speaking Irish for a thousand years before that. But even I got it from relatives when I was speaking Irish. They're like, why are you born with that? It's a waste of time. Yeah. Now, in my professional life since then, I have gotten two separate jobs where Irish was a requirement, one of which was was working for the European Union. So it's official EU language. There's a lot of opportunities there that people get, that only are only open to Irish speakers. And it's, it's increasing. I mean, you've seen it. The Wales goes, all the Wales goes in, in Tipperary are oversubscribed yeah. in terms of students. There's real demand there for it. It is growing. And I don't. And we don't actually spend a lot on it compared to what we spend on everything else. Like we have, let's take the county council. There's no Irish language service etiquette in the council, despite the number of speakers in the county. Yet we have council officers for the environment, for heritage, for everything else. And we should. That's important. But in terms of artists, we could be doing a lot more for language that we're not. So I don't think it is the big drain on resources that people have even expect to imagine. Yeah, they, they've appointed, have they not, though, um, uh, somebody to head up uh, the the Irish language um, in terms of a commissioner now with uh, Commission Naman. And, I mean, there's a lot of responsibility on him to sort of get the Irish language uh, more, I suppose, to the fore now. You you would see that as a good thing, wouldn't you? Well, a very positive thing. I mean, that's, that's at the official level. Like... But it has to trickle down. You have to kind of have that replicated down to yeah. different levels of both media and both media and like and local service. And well, he's saying it. that they the don't... public service will be obliged to ensure that twenty percent of recruits will be proficient Irish speakers in order to yeah, deliver service by twenty thirty. Sorry, Brendan. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Exactly as you said. I was going to say that it's a it's a long term plan. It's good to see progress being made towards it, but it's kind of it's it's mad. A hundred years after after independence, we're only now looking at having or native language uh, yeah. accommodated at the government level. But, I mean, you're, but still, you're still a very young man, but, I mean, was it later in life that you really developed a Grawford, or did you always love the Irish language? It's actually a stranger. My journey to Irish is kind of quite peculiar. By the age of 12, 13, my Irish was so poor, my mother was looking to see if I could call her an exemption. There's one teacher I had uh, inside the tech in Cape Town that was the one who that really kind of turned around my love for the language, and from the age 13 on, got to go to the Grail Talk to a few scholarships and 
seen it as a living language and never looked back. And now I'm a daily speak, and now I, I speak Irish as a preferred language now. That's brilliant. And, and do your kids go to, to Gael School? Well, they're too young for school yet, but yeah, they will be They're going to the Gael okay. School in Tardis. And what what about those who would argue that the popularity of Gael School and a, that it's based more on a sort of a, an elite opportunity to have smaller classes and stuff than it is for a grow for the Irish language? I, I don't know what Gael School are looking at. Dirk. The classes aren't any smaller than any other urban, urban school. If you, want a, if you want a small class size, you send your children to a rural primary school. The Grail Schools are concentrated in towns. Actually, like I'm, I'm actually putting myself at a disadvantage here because I'm having to pass both my local national school and two foreign national schools to get my children into a Grail School. Mm, yeah, I was uh, just talking to Leanne about this earlier on in the office, though, and we were. I mean, she is considerably younger than me, God knows, but she still has the same issue. You know, fourteen years we spend learning the language, and most of us then, and I have to hold my own hand up here. While I love the language and I love our culture and I hold it dearly, um, I can't carry on a proper conversation. Ask Gael Brendan. Well, again, I suppose curriculum is always need to change and evolve and I mean and it is a problem because I said I say myself I had very poor Irish even prime school once I got sex school that I really kinda of got a grasp of it. And I put that down to you do it for a half hour a day and it's kind of seen as something to be endured, not embraced. I think if you change, I think that's what the Grail School model works. It's immersion in it. Like yes, my, as I said, yeah. my oldest girl is, my oldest girl is three and a half now and she can speak Irish. You can have a full conversation with her in Irish but to the level you can have a conversation any time or any language so you can have that in, with her in Irish. Yeah, but you see, it's conversation that really builds um, the ability to speak a language, is it not? I mean, in the past, we've taught Irish in the same manner as you would teach the classical languages of Latin and Greek. We teach it through through grammar and the, and the like. And that doesn't really work properly, right. does it? And, like, and uh, yeah, I'm not a teacher. So I couldn't come to on a curriculum, but I know from my experience of the leaving cert, it was starting to change. There was much more of an emphasis put on the, on, on, the spoken, on the spoken language, like, more points for the or for the oral exam, and more focus on getting a grasp of that. And I think that any kind of curriculum development has to go that way, like more immersion, more immersion in the language, less of a focus on re, on reading and writing. Text yeah, yeah. Until people can actually speak, until people can speak it as a as a using language. Has uh, has Ivan Yates done you a favour to some degree? Because at least we're all talking about this now. I know he's a self publicist, and he just so happens to have a new podcast I'm, up and running. But has he done us a favour by at least we're talking about this, Brendan? I wouldn't go that far because the, the conversation about the language has already really taken off in the last year or two. Now, again, you, you mightn't have heard of them, but uh, there's, a, there's a hip-hop group called Kneecap, very popular among young people. I, I'm well aware of them. They're, they're taking the British government to, to, to court at the moment, in fact. Yeah. But like, they're selling, they selling out gigs across Ireland, across the UK, America, with over Sundance, and everything they're doing is through Irish. That, mm. That's what's igniting interest in the Irish, not someone like Yates yeah, trying to take a cheap shot to... Boosted on ego. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Now you know that he said that he was asked that he he didn't intend talking about that, and it was an outburst. You know, he was there to talk about politics and the, and the like. In fairness to him, can I just ask you, Brendan, if you know anything about what happened in uh, Ross Gray last night? Because there was a meeting of women specifically outside of the uh, Garda station. Now I know you spoke in in Ross Gray yourself at a rally there, but uh, do do you know anything about the gathering last night in Ross Gray? I'm aware. I'm aware of an incident that happened, and I, I, I'm actually away for a few days, so I'm not, so I'm not in Ireland at home. But, yes. I, but I'm aware of an incident that happened. Guardi were called. Guard, some locals aren't happy with the response to They called, called uh, protest, but it's, we've been I've been speaking to the Guardi this morning about it. Yes. We've been informed of the ongoing investigation, so any kind of comments in media 
yes, be yes, and that, yeah, and the same as that. And we we attempted to get a, a statement this morning as well. But it, I, I presume when you get back, you'll be following that up. That, oh yeah, uh, and look, yeah. we're back. We're back to the same thing at all. Initial guard for this. All right, we just lost that last part of what you said to me there, Brendan. Uh, yeah. Just look, we're coming back to the same issue we tried before. So the lack of guard or yeah. in town. Again, this has kind of laid bare the risk of what can happen when you don't have a, a guard of presence in the town. Now, luckily, I understand nothing has happened because due to due to other people intervening, but there, there wasn't there wasn't guardy there to actually, to actually check them whether that wasn't good enough. All right, Gurmil Mahagat Brindon, and thanks for talking to me today. Thank you, and uh, good morning to you. That's uh, Sinn Féin election candidate in the uh, upcoming uh, local elections, Brindon. Of course, speak to me there. Um, 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. Gus is with me now. Gus, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. I, th- I think you believe, Gus, the language should be appreciated in some way, do you? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, uh, it is our, our language, but uh, I, I, my big complaint about it is that it's the manner in which it is taught. Mm. I mean, uh, the, the value of any language is to be able to communicate to a person. Yeah. And um, we, we, I done most of my subjects while I was in school through Irish. Did you? Sim- I did, okay. because for the simple reason there was a 10% increase in your markings if yeah. you did it through Irish. Now, I'm of an older vintage, uh, but, I mean, one way or the other, they changed the books even. I mean, they done away with the Chevaux and the Sheena mm-hmm. Fathers and the Pudding Hitches and everything. So if I was to pick up an Irish book today, I'd have to read it four or five times to understand it for the simple reason. It's a different word to what I learned. And but, where, where did you get that love for Irish that meant uh, that you, well, you had the ability to do your yeah, exams? Yeah, well, well, we had a, a teacher called uh, Stan Downey, and everything... <clears throat> when he was speaking in English, he, was, he would um, say, no, lads, um, who, anyone stand up here with a shanockle? And, of course, of course, he'd be up with his hand because he'd give you yeah. oh, no exercise tonight, right? <sighs> so everyone, uh, it didn't yeah. make any difference. Um, uh, uh, he, he always had uh, his graph of the Irish, but he taught it in a different manner to what I see people teaching it, even my own children. Yes, and um, was it conversational, Gus? Yes, that, yeah. that's exactly what I, I, I'm coming I mean, if, if you would say to me, what would I do in the morning uh, to increase the popularity of the Irish language? I'd start with the, the, the little children from the first day. Mm. I wouldn't let them see an Irish book until they were 10 or 12 years of age. I wouldn't have anything got to do with books. I'd say to each of the teachers, now let's, what I want you to do is I want you to teach these children uh, 100 Irish phrases mm. like uh, come in and say um, uh, I'm well to come mm. on fake her and come on or use loads of Irish words you can get loads and loads of phrases right they, they all understand in a short phrase we'll carry on to the mark right fake her and montour or all of those all of those things without talking about grammar or or, or um, nouns or verbs or anything like that at all. You use the phrases. If you go back 150 years ago um, to the time when we say uh, in all the great talks, in, above in Connemara, down in Ring or any place like that, most of the people couldn't read, but they could still talk Irish because they learned it from their parents. And that's how the language was passed on when you think exactly. about it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's exactly it. It's, it's what, if you listen, I, I mean, I could... Um, uh, start talking in Irish, but uh, I think it's highly, highly, uh, well, irregular in the first place, and it's it's not good manners to speak to someone in your language if they actually don't understand what you're saying. 
And I, I, I would have to say myself that if you started again, um, I mean, another another bone of contention that I had was that everything, the very minute you make something con- compulsory, right, you get a reaction to it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and especially in Ireland, for some reason. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, all you have to do is open your mouth. I'm quite sure there'll be someone else getting a reaction to you and a chance. And I agreed with what you, when you were talking to Brenda on there, yeah. right, about the Gale Skulls. It, the question I would ask you, when those people come out of the Gale Skulls, where do they go? Do they continue to speak the Irish? They don't. They, not, they do you speak, not think so? Yeah. No, I don't. They may, they may speak the Irish among themselves, Right. right. Yeah, so, so if a person was speaking Irish to them, they can interact and etc. But what about the fellow? What about the person that they meet that can't speak Irish? Well, well, they can't. They can't strike up exactly. So they can't use the language. So my opinion was that yeah. I would have every child in the country, regardless yeah. of what they are, learning their Irish phrases. And then when they're old enough to, I mean, you you could come back to the the, the situation years and years ago. They said about the three R's. Right. right, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Well, to me, what I would be saying is, I'd agree with that uh, to, to a degree, mm. up to a certain point. I mean, we—I we, uh, I don't know. It is maybe uh, a thing I have about the education system. Right, we're not—we're not educating people for ordinary life at all. We're educating them. Oh, can you read this book? And can you do this? And can you do that? That's not. Yeah. I, I think you're making me. very good points because, of course, kids when they're very young, they're like sponges. It goes. And when, when you think like a kid by the age of four has mm. a fair old grasp of English, for example, oh. because they're surrounded by it and they're being engaged by it. So if we treated Irish in the same fashion. That's exactly yeah. the point I'm coming to, yeah. right? And I wouldn't be asking them to speak in a proper way. If I, if I come along and I, uh, uh, I say something in Irish, right, well, to, to a younger child, right, they will say, right, okay, uh, that means such a thing, mm. right? That means I can get that ball, or that means I'm will to a year, am I 80? I'm will to a goal, right? And all of a sudden, they pick up all these phrases because the, I'll get this now if I say that. Mm. And, and and instead of having to look, you, I could show you a book and they probably wouldn't even be able to understand the writing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But this this is the way to, to, to have the language flourish. Can I put one final point to you, mm. Gus? Because again, it it emerged from from that conversation with Ivan. The amount of money that's being spent to promote the Irish language and specifically that, what is it now, 2.1 million announced to strengthen the Irish language in schools. Some people making the point that those resources could be better spent, I suppose, on well, health well, or general education or something like that. Yeah, well, well, the funny thing about it was I have no problem about spending the money on it. No more than I have any problem about spending money on anything that's going to, going to do some good. Yeah. I consider that the money that's been spent isn't doing any good, you see. That that I would change it. The system, I would certainly use money to prolong the Irish language. But I can't see it prolonging in the manner in which they're doing it. We have to change the education system, the way it has been taught. And do you agree with that new commissioner for the Irish language that by 2030 they're looking for... Uh, what is it? Twenty uh, percent more people um, in in public services to be fluent in Irish. Um, I think that's crazy. I absolutely think that's crazy, and I'll tell you the reason why. I mean, there we are again. They're looking for twenty percent. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, being fluent in Irish, right? More than likely, uh, you, you you're making them being fluent in Irish to what? To to to. Um, 
Um, interact well, with people that may not even have the language. No, my understanding on the goes is it's to deliver services in Irish to the Gaeltacht communities and to Irish language communities in general. Now, that's my understanding. Yes, well, I, 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 I'd agree. I like, mean, we, we need interpreters for other people coming into this country, for people that can't speak English even here right. in the thing. So, I mean, we're going back to interpreters now for, for a simple reason then, that these, they can deal with these people who speak Irish the whole time. Right, that is fine. Every every document that we get from the government is printed on Irish on one side and English on the other side. Yes. Right, and the majority of people will read the English thing. They won't mm. even read it. And I'll be honest with you, how how anyone can read? Uh, uh, well, my age vintage would have very difficulty in in reading because it's uh, changed, is it? It has exactly. Yeah. They put in H instead of Shevo uh, and Shina Father. I mean, I don't know what what they did. Um, that to me, it's all about. Speaking, uh, speaking, mm. that you can interact with a person, right? Yes. And they will know what you're saying and, and, and you will know what they're saying. Right, so as opposed to essays in Irish or understanding of uh, grammatical mm. areas and all, you, you say just get out there and, and, and speak the language. That's Correct. That's, yeah. You are 1,000%. If you said today, no, I'm going to speak to 10 people now in the next four or five hours and I'm going to use a, a phrase, just a phrase, Another, you might meet a good-looking woman going down the road and you say, oh, Tommy and Raleigh. And she'll probably know what you're saying. But, <laughs> I mean, probably but, would, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see, and I would have to say this much. I would definitely stop my class in the morning if I was an Irish teacher, but probably wouldn't be allowed to do it. But I would start off and say, now, lads, we're going to learn our Irish here, and I'm going to have 100 phrases. Now, you must know what all these 100 phrases are, right? Yeah. We'll carry them down a mock, cowell and laharis, etc., etc. I will guarantee you that those children in two or three years would more than be uh, uh, um, competent in a, in, in a lot of the Irish language. Well, in, in, in fairness, mm, Gus, and I'm showing my age here, did we not mm, make an attempt at this some years? Do you remember Traumagzadrum? I do well. RTE, that notion of a, you know... And Buntus Kainta. Buntus Kainta, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but you yeah. know, that notion of sort of a, 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 a combination of Irish and English together, you know, bilingual. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. I, I have often, I've, I've met a couple of people recently, right? Mm. Uh, and and um, we we interacted in Irish. And where I couldn't remember uh, an Irish word, I would put up an English word in yeah. it. Like, I mean, they used to call it bog Irish before. We say, you'd be talking away in Irish. Next thing the word mightn't come to you. Yeah, and of course. And you, you, you'd use the thing. But that's, that's a, uh, that so is the way to go. So what? Of course it is. Of course mm. it is. Mm. Gus, it was a delight to talk to you today. Gus. Yeah, and, uh, and thank Thanks and, very and, much. And God bless you. Bye-bye. Look after Bye-bye. yourself. That's Gus uh, speaking to us this morning. 1800 Liam wants on to say, Fran, uh, can I ask her more correctly, can I say, I don't know which way to vote and he puts that in higher case um, I don't know which is right I always vote I never miss a vote but this time I just don't know and Liam goes on to say now forgive me but my vote has to be for me to bring balance to bring equality to what is right listening to politicians in my view is they want you to vote a way that suits them what do you think well it's more important to hear what you think Liam and thank you for that uh, back in just a moment Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie 
Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Yeah, great uh, comment in from a listener saying, Fran, would everybody stop complaining? It's the best country in the world. I got stranded in Ross Grey yesterday with no car and I needed to get to Limerick. I hopped on a local link bus which brought me the scenic route through Shinrone, Clock Jordan, back to Moneygall into Tumivara. I changed to another local link bus in Nina which brought me to the beautiful lakeside route uh, through Port Row. Uh, Ballina, Bird Hill, Castle Connell and uh, two and a half hours later I arrived at my Limerick destination costing me less than 10 euro. The drivers of both buses were non-nationals and half of the passengers were also non-nationals while the rest were old age pensioners on free travel or students on reduced rates and still everybody is complaining. Ah, this is a great old country all the same says one of our listeners. Now a temporary teenager Excuse me, Emma was in contact with us after hearing about uh, Ivan Yates' uh, comments on the Irish language and joins me now. Emma, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very, very good. It's lovely to talk to you again, Emma. Will you tell me about your own uh, experience your, and uh, your own relationship with the Irish language, Emma? Well, I think the Irish language is a lost language. There's many lost languages, but Ireland, is, Irish is definitely one of them. Um, I think it's a beautiful aspect of our culture and that a lot of both older and younger generation don't keep up. Um, I personally loved the Irish language in school, but maybe that was because I was good at languages Mm. and my brain works that way. But I also loved it because it was unique to us as an island and it's something that was taken from us. Like many people fought for our culture when we had no freedom to express it and we were forced to be silent. So I think now that we have the voice to use this language, that we should respect our deceased and we owe it to them to claim back our language and to speak it and spread that culture to our peers, parents, and and generations. And just at the very top, when you started to speak to me, you said it's a lost language. I mean, we're we're hearing about the success of... Gael Skull around the country and the, and the like, and that wasn't there certainly in my day. Is that not sort of an indication that maybe there is some growth happening and there is some enthusiasm for continuing the language, Emma? Absolutely. Like, I never, I didn't go to a Gael Skull myself now. And the primary school I went to, um, I had a very good, I had very good teachers that, you know, they actually took pride in teaching Irish. Mm. So I did develop um, a good kind of foundation for school and stuff. But I do think, um, and yes, I would have had friends that went to the Gwale School then, so they would have had very high standard of Irish. Um, And when I go to, like, Kerry or different parts of the country that would have Gwale Talks, Mm. I do notice the language, even in the locals, like the locals that... You know, it, it, they'd be around the Gwaeltocht areas. Mm. They wouldn't be in the Gwaeltocht areas. The locals would speak Irish to their ch- like the parents would speak it to the children when I'd be on holidays over there. And I'd, I'd love it. I think it's beautiful. But I think... So I do think it is strong in, in a lot of areas of our country. But there, it's in those set areas, and that's it. Because, um, well, based on my own experience. Mm. Mm. Um, because, you know, I would have... 
you know, friends or family members that would have very little little to know Irish and it wasn't and they would have learnt it in school like but as the man said before me you're you're missing out on the phrases you know the phrases are so important um from my experience in secondary school like primary school you learn the basics and it's brilliant um, yeah. And and you know you talk about the phrase the irony of of the Ivan Yates comment is that he opened up his response with Neil Fuckler Behagum and then he said I couldn't be arsed to learn Irish but it was interesting that uh, the the phrase came to him straight away you know yeah 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 that's so funny you know so yeah. it, so so it's kind of interesting there isn't it um and the other point that Gus made uh, which I thought was very interesting. Um, you're obviously on the lookout to some degree to see our people speaking Irish, but with with the success of the Gael Skulls, are you noticing more people speaking Irish now in our communities outside of the Gael Talks? Um, personally, no. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, that's interesting, no. isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, Especially, like, young people, you know, in schools and stuff. And you're so I mean, present on social media. Have you... Uh, do you sprinkle Irish into your, your commentary on social media platforms? Well, this year I want to make... Uh, you know, every year I like to make a difference in my life, my lifestyle or whatever. Mm. And this year I made... I said it is quite important, I think, to bring in... To bring back my own... my Well, my own culture... Mm. So I decided that I wanted to make some of my posts actually Irish. Mm. Um, and I'm getting great, like, love. A lot of people, you know, on my social media are really loving it. They're like, oh, my God, bring it back to the Irish, you know. Mm. So it's it's nice. Yeah, I, I, I instead of, you know, putting English to my captions, I put Irish. So it's great. That's very good. Yeah. It? So what, li- little phrases, little captions? You know, like, if you're whatever it depends what you're saying like so if you're yeah i suppose phrases but i'm i'm actually having a conversation in irish you know yeah, an yeah. actual i'm genuinely translating so it's brilliant like it's, it is isn't it and and you're getting complimented for this which is even yeah, better absolutely yeah yeah it's great um can i ask you something a little bit different uh, emma before i let you go because we were speaking to young people recently um about the upcoming referendum and and the like. Sadly, they were telling me that they're really not engaged at all in this, and in fact, not engaged in politics in in general. Um, can I ask you about that, the up, upcoming referendum? Are you aware about it? Are you, you know, how do you feel about it? Or is it passing over you, so to speak? Passing over me. Is it? Yeah. Now, you're a very smart young woman because you and I have spoken in the past, so I'm really sad about that. Why do you think that is the case? Um, is it that it's it's not being pushed properly? It's not being spoken of properly? Why, why are you, is it passing by? Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I suppose I just feel like I'm a very... Um, I don't do things unless I know it's going to make a difference. And I personally just feel like uh, there's no point. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the way I feel. That's very interesting. So you would adjudicate it on the basis of, do you think it will make a difference? And from what you're hearing, you're saying to me, no. No, no. Oh. 
That's very interesting indeed. Well, Emma, it's always good to talk to you and uh, thank you for your promotion of the Irish language. I think it's great that you're doing this and uh, lovely to talk to you as always, Emma. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good morning to you. That's uh, Emma speaking to us uh, there. And once again, you're hearing from a young person, smart young person, who is not engaging in politics in, in general, I suppose, but particularly not engaging where the referendum is concerned. I wonder... I wonder how you feel about that. Catherine is with me. Catherine, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. How are you? Good to talk to you today. The Irish language, Catherine, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, I just feel my own granddaughter would absolutely love to do primary teaching. And uh, the only problem is her. Uh, you, you need a higher level Irish to pursue that as a career. And unfortunately, it's not her best subject and it's really not her favourite subject. So she has to do uh, ordinary level Irish. Now, she's very, very good at all her other subjects. Mm. And I feel this is actually barring her and other people like her from actually pursuing a career in, in primary teaching. Yeah, and, and, and that's a great pity because you, you, you're saying she's, she's extremely strong at other subjects. and She is. Yeah. She's very good at music, geography, all, all the other so all her other subjects are, are quite good and ample actually for mm. the primary teaching but um, I don't know, there was a rumour there going back a couple of weeks ago that they were trying to um, I suppose um, you know, n- not the need for Irish mm. Because for there's teaching. such a shortage of uh, primary school teachers at, at the moment, Catherine, you know. Yes, yeah. but it, it means that, you know, this was her sort of choosing thing all along. She said, oh, my God, I'd just love to do primary teaching, man, but I can't do it. And she sounds you like know, a I, smart young woman. So what is it about, I mean, is there something about the teaching of it or, you know, that she hasn't been able to embrace it fully, Catherine? Well, I don't know, Fran, I can't answer yeah. that one, but I suppose all of us when we were in school, we had subjects that we were stronger at than others. And we were able to sail through them. But unfortunately, Irish isn't her favourite subject. And she just feels herself she wouldn't be able for the higher level Irish. And, you know, she has to go back down to ordinary level because of it. And it's a shame because she is a lovely, lovely young lady, very personable, Mm. great with other people Mm. and young kids. Would be a great teacher, obviously, yeah. Well, I would like to think she would yeah. make a good teacher, Fran, yes. Yeah, and what, but, will, um, what will she do now then, do you think? She hasn't made up her mind as of yet. She's looking at um, a paramedic now. Mm. She's changed completely. But uh, the only thing about that is there's lots of long hours and night work and things of like course, that. Yes. She hasn't fully decided yet. She has until, I think, next March, isn't it, too? Yeah. For the CEO. Well, yeah. we, we wish her the very best, obviously. Catherine, what, what about your own um, grasp of Irish or your own feelings about Irish and how you were taught uh, Irish, Catherine? How, how well, I, I, I was taught it as it was completely compulsory. It yes. was literally, for want of a better word, it was bet into you, like most subjects when I was going to school. Do you know, and you, you, you just learned it and that was it. It was more or less the very same with with other subjects, really. And even maths, I mean, there was no calculators, nothing. You just uh, got it into your head and then you had to get it back out again when it came to exam time. 
So, yeah, but um, I, I just feel with the Irish language, it's lovely to have the Irish and, of course, people love it and they love speaking it and everything. But one of your other contributors there made a very good point. If you meet someone that don't speak Irish, how do you communicate with them? So, you know, there's far and against, but I just feel with regard to the amount of Irish that's been taught in primary school now, um is it necessary to have higher level Irish? Okay, you possibly would need it for secondary teaching, but for primary teaching, there's not a huge amount. I mean, I, re- I remember when my grandkids were in school, um, they maybe maybe once or twice a week they would have been taught Irish. You know, so and yeah. and that's not that's not that long right. ago. Well, so let's let's put let's put that out there, Catherine, and see uh, how people feel about that. Really good to talk to you, Catherine. And thank you for your time and, this morning. And, and you, Frank. Thank Take you, care. thank Bye. you. And Bye. we wish your granddaughter the very best as well. News and information is coming up. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecan, your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, Call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on, on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. And uh, welcome back to uh, the final hour, indeed, of uh, Tip Today. Somebody doesn't like Ivan Yates, it says. Who honestly cares, Fran, about what that planted Protestant landowner like Mr Yates has to say about the native land? I, I, I don't know whether or not he's a landowner or whether he's as if that would make a difference. But anyway, uh, this person goes on to say, but uh, the most efficient approach to restoring the language going forward is the carrot approach. Give fluent speakers a 2% tax break on their PAYE and watch the uptake then, says one of our listeners. All right, home Legal discussion on tip today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. Well, there's a real coincidence here because Jimmy was on to say, Fran, will you get your solicitor friend to come on the show and explain the uh, referendum? It might alleviate some of the confusion. Well, your very wish, Jimmy, is my command because John Lynch is with us and that's his very task today. How are you, John? Uh, not an easy task by the sounds of it, based on the various newspaper cuttings. I'm good, I'm good, yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting because I was, I was quite uh, disappointed, I'd say, to hear your, one of your speakers saying earlier that um, they weren't really involved in, in a, the process. A young because, person and yeah. a young person's panel as well, yeah, John. Yeah, was, they're yeah. smart kids, but they're not engaged. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, and I think, I think problem with that is that um, these things seem to kind of come up um, kind of left side without people really getting any kind of advance warning about them. That's my view anyway. And, you know, I mean, the question that a lot of people have asked me is where did this come out of Mm. and why are we doing this and, you know, What's the need for it, etc. Et why, why are we doing yeah, it? Yeah, why are we doing it? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're doing it because there was an assembly on gender equality, a citizens' assembly. So it was one of it was a 
can I use the word construct? Is, is the Citizens' Assembly a construct? But certainly it's a body that was formed with a view to looking at kind of ish, societal issues mm. within Ireland and seeing whether or not we should try and do something about them, which sounds very plausible and a very sensible, forward-looking kind of thing to do. And one of the things they were asked to look at, it, because it's the Citizens' Assembly on Gender Equality, they were obviously looking at issues around gender equality. So when they did that, um, they looked at Article 41 of the Constitution. And, I mean, let's just start with the very basics here. I mean, the Irish Constitution is like our legal DNA. It's, it's what makes our legal system different to every other legal system because it's got this kind of DNA that says what is it that makes Ireland and Irish law you know, particular to Ireland. So it's a bit like your, I would compare it to your kind of, your legal DNA. So this was done in 1937. So obviously when you do the constitution, and after all, if you look at the Bill of Rights in the US, the Bill of Rights in the US was done a long, long time ago. But embodied in this document or this kind of thesis or this statement of what are the kind of basic fundamental rights that we want to guarantee in our society. Based in that are various articles. So there's article in this particular article, we've got Article 41 of the Constitution. You've got also all kinds of other articles as well, dealing with other issues like freedom of speech and freedom of assembly and things like that. But in this particular article, it deals with the family and how we look at what a family unit is in Ireland. And also, within this particular article, we had the status of the woman in the home. And these are 1937 concepts. So therefore, when the Assembly looked at it, it said, well, is that for fit, for, fit for purpose now in our society as, as, as it is uh, today? And, and should it be something that we should change? And by the way, they're not the first uh, commission... Uh, to look at this, there was in, 19, in the 1990s yeah. it was looked at mm. and the suggestion was that it should be updated to reflect modern mores at the time. So, so to answer the question, where did it come from? That's where it came from. And what's the basis for it? The basis for it is that there's a suggestion that uh, it should be updated. And that's why we're looking at this provision of the Constitution. So it's a fairly important mm. question, really, you know, from a societal point of view, to ask that question. And, and the content of the proposed amendment then, yeah. John, where, where does that come from? That the wording, is, yes, for example, yes. because this is what there is so much well, discussion and, about. And that's a very good question, because uh, where does the wording come from? It doesn't come from that, in, that initial investigation. Yes. It comes from the Oireachtas. It's the function of the Oireachtas, because when it came to the Oireachtas, and this is a very kind of uh, not personalising it, if you know what I mean. But when it came to the Oireachtas, the Oireachtas then job is to formulate the text of the change you're going to make to the Constitution. So that formulated change that you're talking about emanated from our Oireachtas, which is the designated body within our state to deal with that 
aspect of it. So their job is to come up with the wording. So they came up with the wording. And I mean, there there was a fair amount of debate about the wording at the time, because as as you can imagine, it's not an easy thing, because if you if you then look at what's the difference between legislation and constitutional amendment? Because the other question that somebody said to me, well, why didn't they just bring in a law? Why did they have to change the constitution? Well, well they can't, of course. Yeah, yes. well, 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 the answer is yes, they can bring in a law, but that law is going to be looked at through the microscope of, well, not the microscope, microscope well, obviously, of the constitution. So tested, tested yeah. in relation so it ha- to the it has to be, yes. it has to be stress-tested against the constitution provisions. So the reason, because after all, don't forget, we have legislation that deals with areas like cohabitation mm. and that. So one might ask the question, and somebody did ask me the question, well, how come we're looking at a referendum? Well, the answer to that is because you could arguably have a situation and you have had situations in the past where a piece of legislation being brought in has, and has been knocked, if that's the right word, because it doesn't fit within the constitutional framework. So that's the reason why we're doing it by constitutional referendum. And the second thing to remember about a referendum is it's it's your, your absolute uh, right as a citizen to change what is the legal system. So it's the, it's the shot we get as citizens. Normally it's done, as we were saying, through legislation mm. and by people that you elect. And some of us might argue that we don't always elect the people who make the changes, but that's not the point. The point is, under a democracy, the legis- it will come in by legislation. But constitutional change can only mm. come in by referendum. And that's why you were saddened to hear about the young yes. people saying... You Correct. Know, that's yeah. why. That's why I, I was. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was sad to hear because I was, you know it, it it reflects poorly on us as educators and poorly on us as a society that we don't understand that we're being asked actually asked to change a very very fundamental part of our legal system and we don't even know about it and we don't care about it. So that's, that's all right. So what are we voting on then? Really? Okay. So I suppose the easiest way to answer the question is to ask, well, what did we have in the first place? And if you look at what we had in the first place, this is Article 41, which is the family article, if you like. And we we changed it before, as you know, because we introduced divorce. So we had to change. So we went in the last time and we changed it because of divorce. This time, what we're trying to do is we're being asked the question whether or not we should change the definition of family. Like there's two, there are two amendments now. The first amendment, let's take one first. The first amendment that, that we've been asked to change is how do you define family? Mm. Because after all, when you look at the Constitution as it now is, it says that the state recognises the family whether, and as a natural primary and fundamental unit group of society and as a moral institution possessing inalienable and prescriptable rights, antecedent and superior to all positive law. That's a very, very strong statement. That's saying that the family is an absolute fundamental, critical unit within our society and that our constitution is saying that there's a moral imperative to ensure that we protect that unit. So that's, that's so... 
what what are they trying to do? What's been proposed? What's been proposed is that we broaden the definition of family because, again, it's important to remember how does one know what that means? Do you know what I mean? I, how does, when Fran is reading that or John is reading it or Mary is reading it, what do, and they ask the question, well, what does it mean? How do you find out the meaning of it other than looking up the dictionary? Well, the answer is that the Supreme Court of Ireland, which is the highest legal court in Ireland, is mandated under the Constitution by another provision of the Constitution to interpret that document. So they are the sole arbiters of what that means. And the history or what has gone on to date has reflected the fact that the Irish Constitution has been looked at on occasion by the court and the court has been asked, does this piece of legislation match up with this or is is this constitutional? And they have said, well, no, the definition of family is narrow. So the people who are in uh, relationships that are outside the definition of family don't get constitutional protection. So if if you change this, you are introducing protection to non-traditional units. Mm. Under the Constitution. And, and, and sorry to interrupt you, John, but the family referred to there, at least my understanding is, it's a family based on marriage. marriage is, 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 is that what correct. the issue is? Correct. And, and nowadays we're looking at other relationships correct. which correct. are not based. Yeah, correct. Yeah, okay. and, and the argument is, and I'm not, I'm not making the argument, but the argument is that, that, that it's very hard because what they th- go back to your question then, where do the words come out of? Well, what are the words? Well, the words that are now going to get added into this is whether founded on marriage, which means that it's still leaving the protection there for marriage, or on another durable relationship. And that's where a lot of the discussion... It's the word durable. Exactly. And so the question that you're going to ask is, what does durable mean? And my answer to you is... I can't tell you what it's going to what it will mean. I can offer you an opinion as what I think it might mean, but at the end of the day, who's going to define it? Well, the, the court. Irish Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah, the Irish yeah. Supreme Court. And are we going to get that definition before you go to the ballot box and put in your vote? No, you're not. It's only going to happen when some case mm. comes before the Supreme Court where they've been asked to stress test legislation or stress test a case where somebody feels they've not been, their and, rights are being And can I ask protected. you a quick question, and only because you've discussed it with me so often, but the mm. notion of cohabiting now, and which is now yes. properly recognised, I would imagine, does this not sort of make voting on this unnecessary in some way? Because in another aspect of what we're doing, we recognise fully and, and completely that families exist outside of marriage. Well, you see, this is where the debate is because, you see, yes, there is a Cooperation Act, but cooperatives do not have the same rights as people within a marriage relationship. So it opens the question as to whether or not somebody could argue that the Cooperation Act, as presently formulated, doesn't come within the protection that should be afforded by the Irish Constitution. Ah. And that's the nub of it, you see. The nub of it is, what do we want in our society? Do you know what I mean? Do we want to elevate... Do you know, do we want to leave it to legislation 
or do you want to elevate the status of relationships to reflect all of the modern relationships? Right. And after all, one of the groups that was involved in uh, proposing this legislation has been advocating, you know, equal LBGT equality, etc. across. So it's what their, their argument, and I'm not making the yeah, argument yeah. one side or the other, their argument is the definition of family as it presently exists doesn't cover that. So right. therefore, they want to have equal standing. So the tax code, for example, doesn't cover and you don't have the same rights if you're not, uh, if you're outside right. that definition of family. So that therein lies the debate that people have to have. But it is correct then, is it not, John, <clears throat> that we will be voting for a referendum where we're not quite certain about durable and what exactly, how that would be interpreted until it's challenged in the courts. Correct, but you're, but correct, but the point is that's always the case with constitutional I'm delighted terms. you make that point. Yeah. That is but always the case. That is always it? the case. It doesn't, even with the divorce referendum, you still had the same question, like what does the terms put into the constitution mean? And ultimately that interpretation followed right. the event. So there's nothing new about that there's nothing or new clandestine? About no, or no, no, no. There's nothing new about saying that, well, the words aren't clear because after all, how could you possibly do that? Because then you're going to be usurping the function of the Supreme Court, whose job it is Very to good. interpret. Now, you see, to... already we're getting more clarity than I've had over the past. The other aspect, then, of what we're voting on, Joe. So the other aspect that we're voting on is what they call, and it's it's very uh, it's very convenient the way they've labelled them because it helps me when I'm trying to remember which is which, but there's the family one, which is the one we've just talked about, and then the second one is the care amendment. Now, it's called the care amendment because... Well, it's it's called the care amendment because it, its new formulation is grounded on care rather than the old formulation. So let's have a look at the old formulation. What is the old? What did the old um, clause say? The old clause said that, in particular, and this is where the whole. Uh, modern look of society comes into play here. In particular, the state recognises that through her life within the home, a woman gives to the state support without which the common good cannot be achieved. So very much 1937 type of terminology. The state shall therefore, so it goes on, so therefore it says, the state shall therefore endeavour to ensure that mothers shall not be obliged by economic necessity to engage in labour to the neglect of their duties at home. Again, I can hear a number of people kind of going, that's very 1930s, which it is. It is, but it's commendable enough Correct. that if somebody chooses Correct. to be in the home, but, but that's not why you're here to have that, that argument. No, no, so exactly. Yes. Yeah, no, no, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that you can understand why then people would say, well, wait a minute here. But, yeah. so... The, they want to remove that. Yes. Okay. And uh, take it out altogether and replace it with a new article. Okay. And the replacing, and I just say something in passing here, by the way, because somebody else said this to me. They said to me that if you look at the old article, uh, what's the most logical um, thing you might think of when you're looking at it. And I said, well, I suppose the most logical thing is, has the state or, since 1937 done everything to ensure that mothers can stay at home without, if you know, on the basis of, 
uh, financial applications yes, or otherwise. And no was the answer. And yes, the, the answer could be no. Yeah, yeah the yeah. answer certainly. So what? So what they want to do now is they want to take that one out and put another a new one in its place. So they're not tinkering with it. They're not changing the wording of it. They're actually taking it out altogether. So now there's no more. And as an aside, by the way, if if I can just say as an aside, that concept of recognising somebody's contribution within the home found its way into the divorce legislation which came in under the new article of of 41. So when we introduced divorce, in with that, one of the criteria that you take into account when you're looking at a a marriage breakup is the contribution that somebody makes. And by the way, it can be either husband or wife. In other words, either partner in a relationship on the breakup, you take into account that contribution that they made by staying at home to mind the children, which is interesting because there's the modern uplift of that clause, which found its way into legislation that came in via a constitutional amendment. So, and, you know, as I said, on the backdrop of the constitutional amendment, it it came in and was entitled to come in, if you know what I mean. So, the, the, so what what's proposed and what, the change that they're talking about is the state recognises that the provision of care, and again, emphasis, it's called the care provision. So the state recognises that the provision of care by members of a family to one another by reason of the bonds that exist among them gives to society a support without which the common good cannot be achieved and shall strive to support such provision. So, new one. So instead of wife staying at home and then changing it to wife or husband or whatever, it's now brought in, now presumably the family unit you're talking about there is the broadened family unit that's come in under the first provision. So now we're looking at any kind of a relationship that would come within the definition of a durable relationship. And if somebody is involved in the care in the home, then we have a constitutional uh, prerogative that says you should strive to support that provision. Yes, but that's that's the word that is getting people really concerned, is the word strive, because it's a kind of a watery word in some way, because it may or may not be sort of activated then, is that? Well, well... Is this semantics? No, 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 no. Well, yes, it's semantics, but... You're, you're very... Uh, people are right to ask the question because, you see, when the Supreme Court looks at legislation or looks at the Constitution or when a court looks at anything to interpret it, it normally looks at the words that are used. And the very starting point is to use... Uh, the very starting point of most interpretations... This is a very broad way of saying it, but very starting point is, does it make sense in plain English? So, in other words... Does does it say what it says, or do I need to look behind what it says? Yes. And this, so that's your starting point. So strive is what it says. Try. So right. so yes, I think people are right to suggest that that's not that's a kind of a word that doesn't really rank up with uh, inalienable and imprescriptible rights, antecedent and superior to all positive law. It certainly sounds considerably weaker. And are you a little amused that some people are breaking down the entire choice to two words of durable and strive? Yeah, yeah. Well, it is, yeah. It is. is. But 
but but but it, it the the you know the interesting thing about it is that because again we all have to kind of come to the point where you process it, you look at it, you try and understand it, and then you say, well, okay, well, how am I going to vote on this? Mm, Do you know what I mean? Yes. What's my gut feeling here? And I I mean I've been asked by quite a number of people, what is my feeling about it and what do I say about it? And I say, well, I kind of, I'm still processing it. Yes. Because I'm saying to myself, you know, if this change happens, so if I make this change to the law, which I am, I'm, John Lynch goes into the ballot box, I'm a citizen of Ireland and I'm changing my constitution and it's my constitution. Everybody owns this constitution. So this is their shot at trying to change something. So if you're looking at this particular one, will it affect the change? Do you think it'll make the change you're voting for? Right. So the first so thing this is, is your advice to people, John, and you're not saying yeah. yay or nay in terms no, of no, vote, no, no, or yeah, no but this no. is what people need to decide yeah. for themselves. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm saying sit down, look at it, read the first one, read the changes, See, do you agree with them? Mm. Do you agree with this change? And then if you do agree with it, will it do what you think it's going to do? Do you know what I mean? Which is a harder question. So in other words, like if you look at the first one, you know, the question is, are you happy to broaden out the definition of family to a durable relationship? Assuming for one minute durable is obviously going to make it a lot wider, but still protects the family. So are you happy to broaden it out and to leave it open to the Supreme Court to interpret durable relationship. And the one point of reference that I would make to myself is that when the Supreme Court looks at this, based on my experience of case law and reading case law, they will look at the context. In other words, they won't just go let's have a look at durable relationship and define it. They'll say, well, okay, what's this section about? It's about the family. How is the... The state recognises the family, whether founded on marriage or another durable... Right, but it's important to point out, John, if the Supreme Court looks at this, my understanding is they will look at this on the basis of a particular instance or a particular family, is it? A particular case. Correct, or piece of legislation. A challenge. Oh, a challenge to the legislation. A challenge to a piece of legislation. Okay. But what I'm saying is they look at it, so founded on marriage is there. So okay. they're going to reference the marriage relationship okay. to the durable. So they're going to compare those two things. It's not as if they're going to, it's not as if they didn't put in marriage. If they'd taken out marriage and said durable relationship, that'd be a different one, if you think yes, about yeah, it. Yeah. Because obviously they marriage, marriage, marriage is the, they've, they've, they've pinned it to marriage. So marriage has to be the comparative that they're looking at. In, and I'm only offering an opinion here. Yes, yeah. But in my opinion, they're going to use marriage as a as a benchmark. Oh, that's very interesting. For assessing durable relationships. So that's, I think that's, that's important because then it, it because people have been saying to me, well it could be anything, you know, it could be it could be broad and I'm saying no, no, it's not as broad oh, as it's really at first interesting. Yeah. So that's what the, the the comparison or that's where the bar yeah. is there. Yeah, in that's where that. in my view now and I'm yeah, only, yeah, off, yeah, I know I'm only offering an I opinion. Know. But in my opinion when I'm looking at it, that's what I look at. When I go to the second one and I look at the second one, all I can do there is ignore what happened beforehand because they've got rid of it. Mm. So now all I've got to look at is what's here, what's in front of me. And I've been asked to put in right from as if 
I was there in 1937, I've been asked to put in a new provision in the Constitution. So I think that your starting point is to forget what was there before it Mm. and ask the question, if I was being presented with 42B, which is the amendment, would I want it in there? Is it does it do something for me? Is it sufficiently clear? It, you know what I mean? And when I look at it then, I said, the state recognises that the provisions of care by members of the family, etc., all of that seems laudable to me. And a final question, because this is of grave concern to people as well. If the amendments pass, will there be no mention of woman or mother in this article then? In the care article? Yeah. No, but by inference... Right, but but specifically, there no, won't no. be a mention it'll of be one. Gone. It'll be yeah, gone. It'll be gone. Okay. You've literally taken out the reference to mother, woman. It's gone out of the constitution. So you've you've absolutely changed the landscape of that provision of the constitution. Right. Okay. And, and against it. John, I mean, what you've done for us is fantastic because it's given me certainly a clarity that I, I failed to have. So thank you very much indeed so. for that. You're obviously not going to tell me, but did you indicate that you even haven't your mind made up on this yet? No, I, w- I rarely make up my mind until I have to, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. In other words, I listen now that I, like normally I find that I engage with the the various media, I engage with the discussions, whatever, I find a bit like yourself, things can get very confusing mm, yeah. for people. Uh, for me, I found, and at the end of the day, I, I think you just have to sit down. Well, personally, I sit down, like if you take the book that came out from the commission, the electoral commission, mm. if everybody got, everybody got that in their door, what I would do, and I'm again, I don't want to be in any way, uh, whatever the word is, lecturing on this, but I would just sit down with that, have a look at it, um, if you want to read yes. the Irish section. Uh, but because because that has to be balanced, hasn't yeah. it? That, that well, that, book that, that, has that to be is only, sides. That's yeah. only going to tell you what it is. Yes. I'm not going to give you any views one or the other. And I think at the end of the day, if you sit down and look at it and go, do I want this in my constitution or not? And it is an important question. Do I want it in it or do I not want it in it? And cut out all the noise. Right. You know. But you, needless to say, you're urging people to vote, I suppose, because I of am. the importance of it. I yep. am. Yeah, I am. It's, huge, it's a huge, huge right that we have, yeah. which I think, so and particularly constitutional right, whatever about voting for the various fellows and putting them in or whatever, yeah, yeah. this is a constitutional change. Yeah. This is really, really important. All right. Okay. John, real pleasure. And That's thank you so much for, for the hard work around that as well. We'll take a break. Back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie if it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, our psychotherapist, uh, Susan O'Donoghue, is with me. Good morning to you, Susie. If we ever need it, if we ever need a psych- psychotherapist, I need one this morning anyway. How are you getting on? <laughs> good, Fran. How are you? Good. It's good, good. good to see you. You're kind of... Um, making reference indeed to a conversation that seems to be going on over the last while in terms of connections and that sort of thing. And Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I suppose for me, I was sitting at home over the weekend and it seemed to be on every time I turned the radio on, got into the car or the TV, they were talking about kids and connection in the digital age. And, you know, and I suppose for me, what came up was 
what why are they connecting like I know the dig, we need digital right and like but how is it that we're so connected to digital now and I know that our worlds have changed and social I suppose our social setting has changed like years ago we didn't have a choice we didn't have digital to connect to yes but it's really taken over hasn't it and it's really impacting our young people that's how I feel I feel like it's really and I know that it has positive but it also has huge negative effects I I believe on them and how is it uh, impacting them in a negative way Susan well, I think the content that they see and like the world is their oyster, right? In a sense that they can explore it and they can find out loads about it. You just go on Google, put in your search and it's done. But also we all know and we're all quite aware of the stuff that does come up. And I mean, research will tell you that kids exposure to that kind of stuff is just very, very, I suppose, it's not positive. It's very harmful to mm. them and it's 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 hugely um, impactful on them. And I, we always talk here about how your story you know, will impact your perception of the world. And that's part of their story then, you know. And it was quite interesting because before if someone had said to me, would you give your child, would you keep a phone from a child until they're 16? Mm. I would have kind of went, oh God, you couldn't do that. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I think on reflection, is it such a bad thing? I don't know. You know, like I know that they're talking about taking it out of primary schools and I agree with that 100%, yeah, yeah. right? And I know that some people would say that maybe because... Uh, say of say mums and dads maybe not being together or partners not being together or whatever situations people are in that their children need a phone when mm-hmm. they go away to somebody's house or they might need this or they might need that and I'm just wondering I understand that but if we're going to do something like that we really need to have boundaries on the phone I think it's so, yeah, it's so but the, the only thing I'd say in rebuttal to that though is that it seems to me Susan that the entire culture of young people now is based around the device in their hand I mean every aspect of their lives yeah. is based on this isn't it, is, it? Yeah. and can I be um, honest uh, myself with my own phone yeah yeah uh, how would I be without that for oh, a week? Oh, Lord, I would die. One day. <laughs> Not I a week. Am. week might be a stretch. But I'm just thinking, um, we rely on them so yeah, much. Yeah. And, like, they're fabulous, don't get me wrong. They're amazing, right? They're great to have them. It's wonderful that we're at an age now where we can use them and we can have them. But how impactful are they on our young people? And uh, do and we not ourselves? know that yet, really? Because it's really this yes, generation. Yes, yes. So, like, I suppose they've done a lo- huge amount of research on it, and it does show that, yes, it's it's not all positive, and there is huge, you know, um, concerns around it. But we really don't know mm. the full impact, because these young people now are 20, and, like, I have a 23-year-old, an 18-year-old, and a 16-year-old, Right. And even from my 23 to my 18-year-old, I saw a huge difference in technology. You know, Even in that short yeah. time. So I wonder, like, for, for listeners out there, do they feel the same, that even in the short period of time, technology has, comes on so fast mm-hmm. and so strong? And, like, I remember my, my 23-year-old daughter only had, you know those phones where you could only ring two people? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? That's what she had, right? And, like, I, I held off till they were 12, they kind of got their confirmation money and then they bought mm, it themselves. Mm. That's kind of how I did it. And there was pressure because everybody else was getting one. So I see that I think the schools bringing it in is amazing and I think it's absolutely necessary. To, to keep keep them out. Oh, uh, I think, uh, for, you know, what, what is that... Uh, 
proposal, by the way. Yeah, to, there was, to, there's a school there's, in, in there primary schools, in Wexford yes, yeah, that yeah, did it. Yeah. And they're quite successful and they were talking about it. Mm. I think I was on one of the shows over the weekend and they had, um, I think, a principal on from one of the schools who kind of initiated it. And she really, really yeah. said that it is positive. And when all parents sign up and there's no... Um, it's not that they say you can't give your child. They kind of try and enrol the parents and get them encouraged, you know, to cooperate and you know, yes. everybody together, this attitude. And she said it really, really works. The difference in attention and in, you know, because we do know when you go on your phone, even when you go on your own phone, you're scrolling, right? Yeah. Your attention yeah. span is like, you know, you're waiting for the next thing to come up. You know, you're bored in and, two seconds. And if you were to guess at the result of it as, as life goes on. I mean, the fact that maybe younger people are not communicating with each other or with family, w- yeah. will will that have a spill-off effect? Do you I think, think it so? has a huge, I think it has a huge knock-on effect. I mean, culturally, uh, as human beings, we need to connect. That's part of, like, what we, that's, we need connection with others. We do, yeah? And most importantly, we need connection with ourselves, but we really need connection with other people. Um, and I think that the face-to-face, there's nothing in the world like it, you know. Like, I do Zoom now with clients, right, mm, and I mm. do, and I put my hand up, but I do always encourage clients to come see me face-to-face if they can, yeah. If you can't, that's fine, mm. stuff comes up. Mm. Zoom is an amazing thing, it's great, you can still stay connected, but it's not the same. Mm. It's just not the same, you know. And I think when you think about connection, it leads on to relationship, doesn't it? And, like relationship is key to our well-being to our emotional well-being we need relationships we need relationship with ourselves and we need relationships with others we crave relationship yeah and i suppose for me connection and relationship go hand in hand as does communication now i know that that's communicating when you're on that device right but we see from all the all the everything that, that that they write about it and all the research that like the bullying that goes online and when you're not looking someone in the face how it's so much easier to say stuff about them and you know it's just and it's anonymous and it's mean and it's nasty I'd you know even if you put two people in a room who did that online together they would never not abuse all. each other like that not you know? at all so the face to face is important and you, so that's that's the outside relationships but I mean you're also at pains to say it's the relationship we have with ourselves yeah. but it, it does it block that in some way as well you know because well I think we're very see if if it's true relationship like we, we learn true relationship yeah we learn like well I always talk about this we get our protectors through a relationship. We also get the good stuff through a relationship, right? So if that relationship is blocked or if it's more severe online, now what are we getting? Mm. You know, um, and if people, if we if we have way more access to stuff maybe that's not age appropriate, mm. you mm. know, and how do you manage that as a parent? Honestly, like how, like how many parents out there... It's, it's so difficult. Like, it's so difficult. How mm. do you manage it? And at what age do you... You know what I mean? Like, we all do the stuff maybe where, you know, don't bring the phone to the bedroom, no TV in the bedroom, you know, no, no devices in the bedroom, all that kind of stuff. And, like, we need a place where we have downtime, where it's sanctuary, where it's our place, where we don't have to um, worry about people contacting us or from the outside world, where it's our space, yeah? Mm. That's where our relationship with ourselves grows. Yeah. Yeah, and what they are being confronted with then, and particularly, I suppose, with pornography, because that seems to be a, a huge, huge issue, huge. Susan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wh- what about the effect of that, for example? And, you know. Yeah, well, look, pornography is not 
really what sex is about, is it? Like, let's call a spade a spade. That's not what it right. looks like. But if they're presented with this all the time, they and begin to think norm. that that's this their is norm. Their norm. They think yeah. that this is how this is how uh, you know a male is supposed to act, and this is how a female is supposed yeah. to act, and this is what they're supposed to do for you know the same sex or opposite sex or whatever way they look at it. Like too much information, too fast. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the bottom line. And like, how do you patrol that as a parent? But you, you, you know. know, like I even go on my phone. We, we could be talking here today about something. Next thing, it'll pop up I on know, your phone. Yeah. Like, you know, like yeah. I have a friend who's into technology. He says they're always listening. He, it kind of freaks me out. You know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't know enough personally about technology to be able to talk fluently about it. Yes. But I do know that it does cause harm. And are you already seeing in your practice, are you yes. seeing that harm? Um, I see, what I see is a disconnect from others. Okay. Right? What I see is I see, um, like like I say, like teenagers saying online what they'd never say to each other. And we're not just picking on teenagers here because adults do that as well. Mm. So there's mm. no point in just saying it's just the teenagers because it's definitely not. But my heart goes out to teenagers because it's, it's, an age, it's a time where you're exploring, you're trying to find out who you are, how you fit in, who your tribe is. You know what I mean? You're mm. trying to suss it all out. And then you've all this stuff down top of you as well. Like, they're, they're absolutely fabulous phones are. Don't get me wrong. I think it's great technology. But I also think that there needs to be huge boundaries but bless we talk about this the whole time mm. the government needs to do it there needs to be boundaries for all the companies that come in the, all the tech companies everything needs to be done around it but it seems to be very slow doesn't it it certainly does because of course that uh, the interest there is financial interest and yeah. it's it's not in their interest to to sort of clamp down in any way about the numbers of people that will yeah. be using the phones yeah. and the it picture. is harming our children yeah. and it is harming us there's yeah. no two ways about it like I know they were looking over the weekend about I think one of the days was put down your phone for the day or something yeah. like that's quite difficult and how is that quite difficult I don't know and I would find it extremely yeah. difficult now I, I I come up with an excuse and I say ah well you know I read on my phone I have paper yeah. subscriptions on my phone so I have reasons to be on my phone <laughs> and it, it's important to keep up with Twitter and all. but sure, that's really nonsense because you know well, the, pa the papers are all over the place here I don't need to be doing that really. yeah and I suppose like we all do that and it's kind of nearly an addiction isn't it you're drawn in yeah, but sure, that's what phones are about that's the people who I create the apps, the people who create the content, that's what it's about. It's to grab your attention. Yeah. So if it's doing that for us as an adult, what's it doing for a child? What What is that buzz about scrolling? Scroll. I'm not great now. I wouldn't be a great scroller. But I like that's when you flip, isn't it? Well, through, well, you're just flicking through stuff endlessly. They're saying endlessly. that your attention span is so low then that you're just flicking through it that you can't hold, you can't hold your like they say something about is that if it's not in the first three in the Google page, yeah, you know, know, it's not getting a look. So you can understand, and that that's what happens. Then kids, kids' attention span becomes way. You know, they don't have to wait for anything. You know? Yeah, it's all there, yeah. of course. Yeah. Like, you know, so I think it's so important to keep children in the children's space. Are you, do you have concerns over a conversation that's been going on? We, we, we had a youth panel uh, oh, the, last week. Young, young people just gathering around and, and chatting here. Very bright kid, mm. really, really bright. Uh, but when it came to politics and when it came to the upcoming referendum, for example... They, it, it was passing over their head. They had no engagement with it. They didn't feel a relevance. Or, does that trouble you? What age were they? They were in their teens, maybe okay. in their late teens, yeah. Yeah. And may I ask now, right, this is just throwing it out there, right, when we were 16 or 17, did we care about government? 
You see, I was an old nerd. Were you? I was a nerd, yeah. And yeah. I didn't play a sport. I, I yeah, I just reading. wanted to travel. Yeah. So I suppose it all depends on, like, I know, like, they're way better in, in school now around, I suppose, informing them around, you know, political stuff a bit, aren't they? Like, they talk about, you know, uh, what's going on in the world more do so they? than... I, I think know. they do more yeah. than we did. Like, I don't yeah. ever remember a teacher coming in and telling me what was happening to you. I don't yeah. ever remember that. Probably not, no, no, come to think of it. But no. then again, it's so long ago. Yeah, that's... Case, anyway. <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah. But, I, you know, I'm not concerned about teenagers in the sense of the knowledge they have right. because they're hugely knowledgeable. That's one thing I find well, about that's, teenagers. Well, that's the point I was making. But, yeah, but, but they're hu- to... hugely knowledgeable about what they like, Fran. Yes. Does that make sense? Like, if I'm into sports... That's where my headspace right, okay. is going to and be. And you'll be very knowledgeable about yeah, that. Okay. Yeah. If I'm into politics, which you will find some teens who might be going in that direction, but I think that tends to be a bit later on. But you will. You'll have debate. And, you know, you'll have teenagers who debate and debate and like a yeah. panel and all that. So you do have a sense of that. But I do think that it all depends on where your interests lie. Yeah. And, of course, that's all to do with your story then, Yeah. Um, okay, just explain that to me in relation so, to, to, to that. What I'd say is um, for a lot of kids, like we all choose our own direction, right? Yes. Because we're all unique and we're all special and we all we all con- unconsciously choose our own direction, most of us unconsciously. So I would say that if you're surrounded by certain things in your household, right, you'll pick something that none of your other siblings kind of are good at and you'll take that oh, and you'll right. try and be good at it because now I'm going to be seen. Yes. I'm yeah? In, yeah, okay. yeah. Very so good, yeah. I'll go in that direction then, yeah? And now I'm going to be seen for that. And sometimes maybe I'll be seen for things that aren't so... that people would frown upon, right? Yes. Maybe I'll be seen for being uh, lazy. Maybe I'll be seen for being uh, the bold one, yeah? But, but you're saying that's deliberate, is it? It's, it's to... unconscious, right, yeah? Right. But our greatest need is to be seen, seen. right? Yeah. So if I'm not seen, I'll find a way to be seen. But I'll find a way that's different from my siblings because if I'm doing the same thing my siblings are doing... Right. Right? Now I'm in competition and I probably won't be seen as much. Does that make sense? It does make yeah. sense, yeah. <laughs> but uh, and is it a case then if the dad is into politics or the mum is yeah. into politics and a youngster uh, discovers, oh, I, I'll be made more of a... Uh, something of if I'm into politics. Yeah, well, I'll so. be seen, won't I'll I? Be seen, I'll right. get attention. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because we crave, we crave connection. And here we're back to connection again. We crave connection, we crave relationship. We want to be seen to belong. We want to be loved yes. unconditionally. But unfortunately, yeah, there's always conditions. In my in my experience, there's always conditions attached. Brian was on and he says, mobile phones, other devices, they're the new drug. Giving them to children is creating a dependency, which will probably uh, be lifelong. It robs them of so many real experiences and replaces reality with a fantasy world. It creates problems which they otherwise would not have. And uh, no one should have one with internet connection until they're 15 or 16 years old. Would you go along with most of that? I'd go along with most of that. I would, yeah. I would say that, you know, like, I suppose, like you said, Fran, the research, the real research at the end of it isn't out-out yet. So we don't really know the impact and the effect that we're going to be looking at down the road. But, like, there's no doubt about it. Like, being on a device all day or lo- or going out the back playing mm. or doing whatever we used to do, right? There's a difference. And I don't want to compare either because my grown-up is so different to what they're at course, now, yeah. right? But... Like, there's a huge difference between face-to-face. It's a huge difference going out and sitting in muck and building muck, muck piles or I don't care what you do, you know, mm. eating grass, whatever, we, you know, whatever it is you do outside. There's a huge difference between that and scrolling all day. 
I suppose. Know? But each generation, weren't we all presented with technology? I mean, I remember being given out to, for watching television all day. Would you get out? And, you, you know, I mean, there was always something, was yeah. there not? But, but there, maybe there, not as profound as this. It's as not well. as profound as this. And yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm just surprised that you were saying you're watching television all day, Fran, because when I grew up, it wasn't until four or five o'clock. I know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You must be way younger than me. <laughs> oh, I wish. I wish. I wish. But uh, no, yeah. no, I just feel there is always going to be something, but it's how we manage it yeah. is key. Yeah, it's how we manage it. And like when you think about it, like I don't want my children to grow up the way I did. Yes. But I also don't want them to be the opposite side of the coin. Mm. There's a there's a happy medium in there somewhere, isn't there? There's a happy medium where you can still enjoy all the technology, where you can still use it to your benefit, but where you're safeguarded right. as a child. And of course, we can't be hypocrites either, because no. you know, if we're all, you know, yeah. on our phones all the time ourselves, how can we expect to exactly. it to be any different? We're putting it out there. If people want to share with us, if there's something. A subject that they would like you to chat about. It's it's okay if people make contact. No problem with us, at all. There's no yeah. problem at all. I'd love to hear from people. If anybody has anything that they'd like us to discuss or just explore, look into, and see, you know, can yeah. they don't have to can be anonymous. They don't have to just text in here and say, you know what I mean, that this is a subject they'd like right. to discuss. And, and it, we'll could it. it could be relationships. Could be relationships. It could be. It could be anything. It could be yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. anything around feelings. All right. Well, if people <laughs> want to make contact with you, Susan, how how can they do sure, that? Sure, it's uh, 086 and it's info at emotionalwellbeing.ie. Thank you, Fran. Always a pleasure. Thanks Thank very you. much indeed, Susan. Somebody wondering, would we put up John Lynch's piece as a podcast because they thought it was very uh, informative? We will certainly set about doing that, and thank you for that as well. That's it for me, Leanne, produced. Uh, Stephen's on the way with the Time Tunnel, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves. Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.